The Comic-Con that is a mile above the rest returns in 2013, and it's bigger than ever. That's right. Stan Lee's going to be at Denver Comic-Con this year. They also have George Takei at Denver Comic-Con 2013. Plus Kelly Who and Will Wheaton. Friend of the podcast, George's Jaunty, will be there. So go online to denvercomiccon.com where you can buy tickets. Stay tuned. VIP tickets for Stan Lee will be available. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2013. Hey, good news, Real Nerds fans. We just got approved for our press credentials at Denver Comic Con. Which, which means that we now actually have tickets. Because so, yeah. before, we were the we were unofficial just, official podcast that wasn't going to Denver Comic Con. Yeah, we were just banking on the fact of our amazing ticket-getting abilities for... Yes, yeah. We are the official unofficial. The official unofficial. Well, we're unofficially the official. Yeah, yeah. unofficially the official podcast. Yeah. Like, do you have I like you half-ass made lanyards? Oh no, like, we know. We know. Just got to floss. That's all. Yeah, we just we just happen to know people that work there because last year we were the only podcast that was any good. Whoa, well, whoa, that's a little unfair. So, so you're the official unofficial podcast in Bizarro World, where it's just like, nah, we're yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> it, it's really by default that we are. Yeah. Um. Hey, you guys just heard our guests today. Um, we'll get into them really quickly. Uh, remember, if you go to tweakedaudio.com and you're looking for earbuds, you're like, oh, my earbuds suck dick. Well, you can go to tweakedaudio.com and get some awesome ones. I actually I bought a new iPod just the other day. I went uh-huh. to Tradesmart that we always go to and open it up, and uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even unwrap the shitty ones that come with yeah, it because I got my tweaked ones. Like, they're, they're awesome. Exactly. Tweakedaudio.com yeah. at the checkout. What makes w- these headphones? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see them real fast. Right, okay, I got them here in my pocket. Because I'm curious, because I, I am in the time. market for new headphones, and so, this is just a weird coincidence that this came out. <laughs> they, they, they sell a few different kinds. The ones I have satchel. here are the parkour ones. Yeah, they come with a little the satchel. Parkour? parkour? Yeah, they come with a man bag. Like, they're like sweatbands for your ears. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> I've got, these are, the, yeah, these are the parkour ones. They've got, uh, they're the, wow. the in-ear kind. You'll notice now, they're, they're yeah. Man, um, dig. They're, they're flat cables, so they don't tangle as much. Which sounds, that sounds like a joke, but it's, it's actually true. Um, so time now, how many monies do these cost? Uh, well, well like you know those we can there? help you out that, Spencer. If you go to tweakedaudio.com, log on, and then your checkout, enter in real nerds, one word, R-E-E-L-N-E-R-D-S, you get a third off your whole order. A third! A third, sir. That's the coolest thing I've heard all night. Even if, right a, third, even if a third is like mathematically kind of hard to do. Like, that's <laughs> I will not use my brain whatsoever. Yeah. No, they do, they do all the math for you. I'll let you know. Zeese just timed me that you gave that thing to me in a crumpled that was in a satchel in your pocket, uh-huh. sweating yeah. through all Burt Wonderstone. Y- yeah. You yeah. had some popcorn grease, hit it a couple times. How long did it take me to unravel that from a wadded up mess? Second Five half. seconds. Five <laughs> seconds. He yeah. counted for me. Yeah. 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 And we you did, did it twice. with one hand. We did it twice. Yeah. Yeah. That was know, the best commercial really nice. we've ever done for tweaked audio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, did, we just convinced some people. Like, we handed them to somebody, and they were like, hey, that's kind of impe- impressive. I'm, I'm also a hype man. That's, like, my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I pride on my hype man yeah. skills. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Real Nerds 2013. <laughs> 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 oh. I, we should introduce some people. We should. We should totally introduce here. some people. Um, 2013. <laughs> Call up in this bitch. <laughs> Don't miss it. Um... We are sitting with three filmmakers, and, you know, real nerds, we usually start with fan mail, but this week, we're starting with Filmmaker Spotlight. Pause Sick. for dramatic effect. Yeah, there's music that goes in. Yeah, there. we, we, we 
interstitial no, music. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, yeah you guys oh, edit yeah. it together. Oh, we do. Well, we don't. Said, yeah, Brad yeah, edits yeah, it no, together. He just, so he just said we got good cuts, Brad. I think that's a. So, I like that you have those little interstitials like Hollywood Babylon and stuff like that. Those are really cool. I really like those. Thank like, you. Those Thank are you. always fun little additions. Took a while to get those in the show, but yeah, they're there now. Yeah. We're going on 100 episodes, boys. Yep. Getting real close. Around 92? 92 right now? Oh, yeah. man, we're in the 90s. So we get to be in like within the first 100 episodes. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Something we could brag about to ladies when we hit them up on the bar. That's right. You're <laughs> like, hey, you know, Real Nerds <laughs> Podcast is like 397 on Stitcher Radio. <laughs> we're on that. <laughs> so uh, introduce yourselves, and we'll start with you, Spencer. Hi, I'm Spencer Kane. Hi, Spencer. Hi, guys. Glad Hi, Spencer. To be here. Hi, I'm Zach Eastman. Hi, Zach. Hi. And I'm Matty O'Connor. Awesome. Hi, Matty. Hi, Matt. Hello. D. Matt T- M-A-T-T-Y. That's and, right. And you guys are all, you know, we're based in Denver, for the listeners who don't already know that. You guys are all Broncos. Denver filmmakers. Yes. Like, you <laughs> yeah. You do this guerrilla style here and, and are really into that the, the local film community, which is awesome. Heck, yeah. It's pretty cool here. Yeah. And it's, like, gotten to a point where... We don't even have to go guerrilla anymore. We can just people are so open and new to seeing films being made in Colorado that yeah. they'll probably be more than happy to open their doors to have that kind of experience. But we just got our location locked for the boy who stares at uh, Heritage High School. Actually, oh today. wow, very cool, man. But it's kind of misleading because like two nice guys go in and they go, "Hi, we're filmmakers. Can we film in your place?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course." As long as you're and, not wearing a trench coat, they probably don't care. Right. Well, 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 speaking of the boy who stares, <laughs> oh, and then like. Months later, when we actually come to shooting, like an army of like 20 to 30 kids with like buckets and loads of equipment, like truckloads of equipment comes and just takes over their place. And like, what did we get ourselves? <laughs> but they're always, they always get the good product and we leave They're it like, how many we... people are going to be there? Because we're going to need two janitors. But maybe <laughs> yeah. there's going to be trash and we need janitors. Leave they're a location better than you found it. That's our motto. Yeah. <laughs> Know that all filmmakers. What's involved that in exactly what I told securing that. a high school? I, I imagine that's probably very difficult. Like, what kind of convincing goes on in order to secure a high school? Well, the biggest thing that we had to do was um, the the nature of the script that I wrote was essentially one of recovery from a humanist perspective. So it's a little bit more like uh, you have to kind of convince them that you're not trying to create like. Uh, a, war a, zone. a very violent world. Like, if you've ever seen the movie Zero Day or Elephant or um, uh, even I, I've heard about American Terror. I haven't seen any trailer for it or, for anything, but I've heard good things about it. But it, we were trying to do something a lot different. So you had to let them know up front, well, yes, no, we're not going to, like, have a bunch of, like, fake guns and, like, recreate a scene like that. You have to let them know, like, no, we're going to be doing creative techniques, like going gorilla underneath the um, underneath the tables to avoid seeing a shooter or something. Using like sound that. effects. Yeah, so, you know, so we're not... We're, so it really is you're pleading your case, like, just yeah, trying to convince kind them. of, yeah. yeah, you're just, like... And, but and you, also, you don't want to sound like, you know, like, I, I, I didn't get into this business to preach to anybody, so you, don't, you also want to sound like you're actually trying to create like a, a valid artistic like experiment yeah because like, that's what each kind of film is for filmmaker and I, I i try to make it look like you know i'm not trying to preach anything here i'm just telling a story and it just happens to take place within this kind of context i have no like message to preach and people like to hear the words insurance we have insurance <laughs> oh man nice but like the way he's shooting it is not going to have like the gun stuff it's kind of like, going to be a cool way of like making the viewer whoever the audience is Put that in their own mind without right. actually showing it, and like I think that's kind of a creepier way of going about. I don't know, introducing that kind of subject yeah, was, matter. I love that. Right. Yeah. And 
I play the the school shooter in that movie. I'm not sure we have to say that yet. Am I a clearance? Can you have to cut um, that out? Do I have to beep I, this? It's good to know, but um, what, what? I'm sorry. What would be good to know is is that um, Maddie's really well known for comic performances, and I can almost guarantee you this is not what you're going to be seeing. Yeah. Uh, so you know, get that out of your head. But um, it, Maddie's in all of my films for uh, for better or worse, and so we have. Uh, yeah, for, always for better. <laughs> yeah, it's always one. Uh, he's always he's my one of my number one guys. He's like my Brian O'Halloran or like uh, Jason Mewes or something like that. I put him yeah. in everything. And um, but for this one, he re we require him to do a lot of uh, acting because I don't want to. We're trying to not show the shooter because we're trying to create like a horror film presence. Like in like what's that one lesson we're taught in film school is that you don't want to show the killer's face because then otherwise it's not scary anymore. Yeah. So you want to create this kind of like looming presence over this community even 10 years later it's still haunting them so um we've tried to create that with maddie's look and maddie maddie's look is going to be like changed significantly like we're uh, putting makeup on him and stuff like that to really create um something different for him like and this, he's going to be barely recognizable so hmm. it should be a fun. mustache that's what he's saying yeah <laughs> <laughs> one big one it's tweety <laughs> just circles around and it just he could just twiddle it and go yes i shall perform evil today <laughs> and i was shocked to learn today that spencer isn't mexican so uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's very true yeah that's like the number one compliment no. yeah, that's like I mean, I, the the one that introduced me to the Real Nerds podcast was the one that Spencer said that uh, you saw him at work and you said that we, you saw. Oh yeah, yeah oh because open screen well, night. So yeah, Brad, Brad had seen it, and I was friends. I'm friends with Spencer at work, um, and so you know I had sort of been talking to Spencer and was kind of starting to get this like, hey, we we should get you guys on the show. And then Brad comes in from Open Screen Night and is talking about like, oh man, I saw these movies and they were so great. And I was like, wait, this is that fucking movie Spencer's in, and I'm showing him <laughs> from across the room. I'm trying to show him pictures like. I know this guy. <laughs> this is a guy that I know. We're going to get him on the show. Um, nice. And I'm glad to be yeah. here right now. Well, yeah. and then, like, it wasn't until the next week that Brad figured, like, sometime in the next week, Brad figured out, like, wait a second. He was in, like, th Spencer was in, like, three of those movies. Mm -hmm. And Brad hadn't even realized that he was in all of those movies. Yeah, um, he was convincing uh, That's convincing That's a huge compliment to me yeah. as an actor. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm You're a very chameleon. You're, you can very <laughs> easily... Uh, did you guys like did you talk about your resume have you do we i missed that part well no yeah. no so um for well before we before we move on uh when do you, when are you guys going to start shooting uh for the boy who stares and when do you expect that to be out just so people who are listening know um well we um we're filming uh in april um 19th to the 22nd which cool. is very very uh, I, we, we've realized recently it's a very awkward time to film, but uh, we uh, we couldn't avoid it. Like yeah. we kind of ran into that point where we had no choice. Uh, but we're filming then, and then we we're trying to have an edit out by the end of May. Um, and around the time that we're doing um, uh, Boy Who Stares, um, our previous film Twombly, which screened at Stars Film Festival and a bunch of other places, uh, just got picked up for a national eight city roadshow tour. Really? Yeah. So we uh, we're going to be playing at the Lemley. Two of the Lemley Playhouses uh, in L.A., um, uh, the, uh, one of the museums out here in Denver, um, and then New Orleans, Salt Lake City, and um, uh, San Diego. Very cool. So Man. Nice. We're actually playing in the Balboa Theater, which is where I saw Scott Pilgrim for the first time at Comic-Con. 
Um, me and my friend Matt Willix got tickets, and we got to wait in the long line and enjoy the San Diego sun for all it was worth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we were just like, do you want to read the end of Pilgrim? No, I want water. <laughs> Give it to me now. Cool. Yeah. Um, so talk about how you guys got into it. When did you guys start? Um, what was the thing that made you want to make films or be an actor or or both? I'll start. Good. In his diary. Dear diary, like... I'm on a podcast right now. They didn't give me a mic. <laughs> <laughs> Zach is using the mic all the time. So yeah. I don't forget stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I'm... we're recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's when they told me. They were... Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I feel like I've been I've been studying for this my entire life. Um, from from when I was very young, I I always. Uh, like how how was that how was that made? Then my folks were like, "Well, that's a movie, son. Like, that's all pretend." I'm like, no, "No doubt, you go to school for this shit." I'm like, "Well, that's amazing. That's really cool." So I always tried to do that, and we had this giant camcorder, so I would like film yeah. things, and I'm like, "That's very good." Now let's rewind and do it again. <laughs> um, and it, and then I kind of forgot all about it until um, I was about 21, and I met up with Alex Gray, who I went to high school with, and he was like, "Do you want to be in this student film that I'm doing?" I was like, "Sure." And uh, and it, it ended up winning some awards and stuff. And that was the first time I saw myself on a big screen. I was like, dude, this is not the last time that I'm going to see this go on. Yeah. And I, I just felt it like way down in my wishbone, <laughs> if you will. That's cool. Actually, interesting enough, Alex Gray did a uh, – recently he did an adaptation of a Ray Bradbury uh, short. Uh, it's called Jack in the Box. Uh, it's about a boy who uh, – he lives in his own kind of uh, – world that's been sheltered over by his mother it's a wonderful 30 minute short film it it's, uh, uses uh, green screen effects it's absolutely amazing if you see it around festivals check it out like it's it's absolutely like visually it's stunning cool absolutely and alex taught himself how to do that that special effects like on the computer by himself like the maya program just taught himself oh yeah. wow which is which is difficult to learn yes like, I, yeah. I looked at the manual and i'm just like i I can read one word tonight. And, uh, <laughs> let's save the rest for later. <laughs> yeah, I have friends who like went to school for that, and yeah. it is, it's intensive. Man, sure. They have really nice universities out there to do it, and they charge you like a, a pretty decent amount. Like out in LA, they like they're based in editing schools. Like, right. there's more post houses out there than anything else out there anymore, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, my, I don't know, is it my turn? Or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, you know, a little bit about it yourself. Maddie, because I All right, man. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Throwing me out of the order, Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. It's chaos. Let's see. Uh, All right, Matt, my, Maddie, what's in the diary? So, so I wrote down, I just wanted to write down, I wrote down, I wanted to remember that uh, I have to play a school shooter on the day that the Columbine shooting went on, and I did not realize that until just a second ago. And, and that oh, was wow. some, that's some intense stuff that I kind of like. That is pretty hard. I might go back and kind of read yeah. up on that because I don't want to, like, yeah. when he said backing, that means it's a back acting. Like, they're not going to see my face much in the film. That's right. kind of like Lumet. And I want to kind of get my hair, like, with, like, I want to see how they kind of have their stuff and kind of base that kind of uh, creepiness off of, like, these, the guys who kind of do this stuff are... Like, they do have mental challenges, but, like, that's kind of a creepy haircut. Why would you get that? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it Amongst comes to. Amongst other things. Well, it was, also, it was also 1999, and I was alive then, obviously. And I, um, yeah. they, they, it was a weird time. Things were different then. And I lived over in Grand Junction. The Matrix just, wasn't out yet? Oh, yeah, dude, that's... I'm just saying. 
you know, dark. The, the yeah, dark those times. were dark days. It wasn't out. I thought it was. Well, no, because it would have been out. Uh, this that would have been April. It would have been out in the summer of that of that year. Or at least I it would have been it around. Was, then. And that's or or something. That's why the trench coats were banned. I'm pretty from sure high it came out in March of '99. Oh, was it in March? Oh, okay. Never mind. Fuck me. Quick, find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one month later, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. From what I learned, they were watching, like, I had to do a lot of research for stuff. Right. And I read Dave Cullen's book, Columbine, and he describes Natural Born Killers as being that one film yeah. that those guys watched more Not than even... anything else. So it's very, like, I, I have a hard time watching that film now. I, yeah. Like, I don't right even like now, that movie. In comparison <laughs> yeah. to how it was, like, a few years ago. And I'm like, I love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's a rough movie. I, the only cool part about it is when that that snake line's like what'd you expect i'm a snake bitch that's like my that's the best line in the whole movie yeah but uh i just think that was a, a powerful coincidence that i didn't realize yeah. and uh which would be pretty cool when and, you when you go to festivals and you can say that you're like it's kind of weird we got mixed up in shooting and we ended up realizing we shot some of the stuff on the actual combine shooting day in colorado yeah i mean like that was not intentional. Dude, the, people I, love I, that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't mean to totally derail this, but were you guys all here then? Did you all? Did you all grow up here? I was living in Oregon at the time. Actually, okay. um, I I grew up. Uh, dude, I went to the Cherry Creek School District. Yeah. Uh, so it was around like the Greenwood Village area. So oh, okay. we were close. Yeah. Yep. Um, like we we got a pull out of school like when everything happened. Like we were like the TV was on and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember much about Columbine. Most of the stuff that I've been doing has been after uh, the Aurora shooting. Yeah. Because me and my friends were there uh, uh, in Theater 8 when everything went down. Oh, really? Um, so we, you know, we we kind of, like, I, we, we weren't, like, deeply affected by it like because we got out safe. Like, that's the best thing you can say about it. Yeah. But we, like, you know, like, I've looked, started looking at it from that perspective, like how I felt that day or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's not like a, it's not a recovery exercise. It's more of just like, how do I see this kind of story and whatnot? Oh, for sure. But like, and know, I, did, I didn't mean to ask that, like to put you guys on the spot. No, I no, simply no. wanted to know. No, no, no. Um, it challenges me. Thank you, David yeah. Frost. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, <water> yeah. Cheeseburger. <laughs> That's my favorite part of that movie. And for me, no, I was, I was in Grand Junction and, uh, I'm not sure how old I was at the time, but I remember my, Everyone in my kind of family is a school teacher. Like my mom's a kindergarten teacher, my grandma's yeah. a teacher, and like I know it was kind of a big deal around the house. And they just wanted just the normal things that a parent would do and sit you down and tell you the situation and then like express to you like if you see anything like this going on in school, make sure to let us know. Yeah. Type of like they just handled it like I think everything just any totally every other parents changes. have yeah, yeah just like you know this is a sad thing, um, but uh, this stuff happens. But you got to just realize this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that was. That was the first one on the list. <laughs> Second one. I just realized that we're going to have to call this on a very special Real Nerds podcast. <laughs> I know. We're talking about the reality. I, I know. I know. I know. And I'm, yeah. Yeah, way to go, James. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to hold back here. No, I this, feel special. This is some raw emotion <laughs> going into this. You always feel special. Some raw emotion. That's true. What else is in the What else in the, the, I've the only crying done two journal? things. Just the, the, the thing about the coincidence and uh, that uh, – Real Nerds podcast, I got addicted to it because there's no reception at my work, J. Crew, and I get there early in the morning around eight, sometimes to vacuum. I got to vacuum out the dressing rooms and stuff. And I was listening to like Mark Maron's podcast. I love podcasts. Let's oh, get yeah. all shit done. Dude, Mark Maron's great. And uh, I remembered Spencer had given me your card yeah. uh, when I was hanging out with him one morning, and I had it in my pocket. And I went home and I subscribed to it and stuff. I downloaded it and put it on my iPod, and the reception went out at work, and I had nothing to listen to. <laughs> and then I just started pounding through the Real Nerds podcast ones. 
And I found the one with Synergy in it finally, too. <laughs> oh, yeah? Very thanks nice. for the nice review. Oh, thank thanks. Mm-hmm. You're, you're welcome. And thanks for keeping me entertained while I vacuum <laughs> or a bunch of milfy ladies take their pants off. <laughs> oh, oh, just let, uh, I just want you guys to know you're there with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, how did you get into film? So Matt, that's where we were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> how did you get into making movies, wait, wait, Matt? That's where we were. Yeah, yeah. Rewind. Uh, let's get away from the milfy ladies. <laughs> for just a little bit, please. <laughs> for just, yeah, they'll come back. Oh, they have they to. always come back. <laughs> I uh, got started filmmaking... When I was, uh, it was a coincidence because my family would show Jim Carrey movies. That was my favorite growing up was like a Dumb and Dumber, but they always switched the channel or do something when like the really dirty parts were on. <laughs> so I never saw them until way later. I was like, this is awesome. But like the mask was like the most, like the most awesome movie as a little kid. And then, uh, and only uh, 20 minutes long, which is oh, it's great. Just the perfect length. <laughs> perfect. And then, uh. What's the other one? Oh, Ace Ventura's was my favorite. I would get in so much trouble at school for talking with my butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, Unbelievable. Like, that Ace Ventura was like I was Ace Ventura for Halloween. Like Jim Carrey was my idol growing up, and I wanted to be an actor so bad. And uh, I started making like Lego movies. I got the Lego Studio kind of set yeah. up, but I never had Lego Studios. I wasn't rich enough to have that. As a, <laughs> right. So I, I had my parents' v, VHS camera, and I just did, do stop motion. Like growing up as a little kid, growing up uh, like. And do, would show them at the family things. And then from there, I went to Granderson High School, had a little film program, and I was doing stuff there. And then moved over to film school, and I've just been always doing it. There's nothing cool. else. I have no other marketable skills at this no, point. No, dude. It's, it's important <laughs> to point out that Matt and I are both musicians as well. He plays drums. Yeah, I started oh. uh, making movies because I was in a death metal hardcore band, and I wanted to make music videos. I was like, I got this one. We're all chasing after banana guys. Like, it's us. <laughs> us. And then we're like, dun-dun in the breakdown, and we're like, Throwing the banana, and like uh, I really wanted to make music videos for my band to get noticed because, like, they're yeah. like, I want to see a music video where you're chasing down a banana. <laughs> we made a music video where we're uh, it's <laughs> a really horrible, horrible small town band called uh, Red, White, and Brutal. And uh, we were a hardcore band, of course, it is, yeah, of course, it is. And uh, hardcore, and <laughs> we had this thing where we were like, we were all pantomiming playing, and at the big old breakdown, the guitar player did like a guitar swing. And he had like the guitar came around, he caught it, started playing it again, and it was like a real guitar in his arm. And then like the I threw the drumsticks up, and it came down. There was a drums there, and I was like going at it. And then the the, the bass player threw his bass, and it came around. But the first time he did it, he like threw it, it came off. And I have this footage of like, Ooh. <laughs> like I grabs like I can't believe I did that. Like the bass just fell on the ground, and it's a risk you take. You gotta take bold risks you making do. film. I feel that. like when you can't actually play your instruments, you do you resort to cheap tricks Some like dances. throwing it around instead of shredding a sweet no, solo. You'd I be like, oh, disagree. It it's about stage presence. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the presence would be with the shred. I was <laughs> ask, hey, hey, did the monkeys play their own instruments? That's no, right. That's no, but true. they were. <laughs> I would stand on my drum stool like my. My band would jump around. We had little lights. Like it's all about. But you can play your drums and you rock hard. So that's <laughs> different. <laughs> he's, what he's saying is you're really talented. Why are you fucking around throwing the sticks in there? Why am I throwing sticks and making movies? Well, it's it's yeah. precisely okay if you can actually do your do your job on stage. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, really? yeah. Yeah. I started making movies at film school and uh, like even way before that. But the film school bug kind of just as soon as you see your first thing, like the first show. Also, I saw yeah. my first movie on a big screen up there, and I was like, wow. And then, dude, it's, it's then, an incredible you're like, feeling. You're like, I got to show my films to everybody on the biggest screen possible. That's cool. We met on a set called Mental House. Yeah, it was first. It was like 2000. 
2010. Yeah. And uh, we were on this film. It was supposed to be shot on 16 millimeter, but they didn't shoot on 16 millimeter. They cheated. They used like a T2I. I was like 16 millimeter. No, it was, like a, it was before was T2I times. We went to film school before. It was you, David Quakenbush. You had, had to, you had to put the tape in the camera, <laughs> and you had to use a task cam and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff before you have this digital hard drives nonsense that's beautiful oh, sh- and really, shut up, really shut nice. Shut up, Quentin Tarantino. I, I, let's, I let Zach talk about when he became a... No, I'm just Let kidding. me be honest. I, I'm a digital filmmaker. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'll probably not, never make a film on film. Yeah. I'll make everything on digital probably. Well, especially because you know, when, when you don't have the kind of money that somebody like Quentin Tarantino has where you can exactly. get film, like digital is just the way to go anymore. I, I think, it, I, I, you know, I've had this like discussion with multiple people and the best way that I can describe it is I don't care because yeah. like it's 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 ultimately up to them what they want to do and you can't like if and they're going to say what they want to say like I I per, personally I agree with Tarantino like part of the reason I got into what I want to do is because of film and I feel like a hypocrite cuz I use digital cuz that's all I have really access to right now. Right. Like, we don't have the money for film. It takes a lot of money to process it and whatnot. But you know, like I I like that he's building that up because uh, I work in movie theaters. Um, I worked at movie theaters for a while. And the one thing that I noticed is that when, when digital came in, there were more problems with the digital projector than there were with a 35-millimeter projector. Really? There's more, it's a hard drive system. It's a computer, so it crashes easily. It's no, there's no, nobody's being trained on how to use the computer. They're just being trained how to press play. Right. So yeah. it's, 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 it's a little tricky. But like, I think that there's, uh, you know, there's a balance to it. Yeah. But anyway. So, well, there's always trial and error with new technology. If you know, as yeah. a film pro, when the hard drive on the old film things were messing up, the theater burnt down. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that problem with digital. This is true. There, th- yeah, that was the alternate point. version of Cinema Paradiso, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it allows us to make and all the Italian children. It allows us to make a film in you know three hours driving around in a yeah, car. Yeah, like a getaway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just I mean, the ability to watch your stuff right away and correct the errors and. Kind of go on the fly is, I think, a pretty powerful tool that if you're a stickler. But like Quentin Tarantino, when he's shooting, he's got his film camera, but he's got it with a uh, – you can – he has a little tent that he's in, and he's watching it as he sees it. Like the real filmmakers, like the 18, the ones who have to measure to see if their focus is right and, <laughs> yeah. and to check everything and do some math. Like he hired like a 1,000 guys to do that. He just likes probably the film because it's film, and he can talk about it and argue right. about it. And he yeah. does things with his arms when he says it. And, <laughs> and if he's sending it to black people, he goes a little bit like this. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that might be harsh. But it's true. Yeah. He's a chameleon. Yeah. He is. He's weird. But he's a filmmaker. I'm a chameleon. Filmmaker. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, tied it back to one. Good callback, Spencer. Yes. <laughs> so no, really, Zach, how'd you get into movies? Um, well, um, I was in the audience for Red, White, and Brutal one night, <laughs> and I said to myself, I want to be just like that fumbling kid with the glasses. <laughs> Did you see the way he threw the sticks in the air? He's a great filmmaker. That man is going to go places. He's going to win 10 Oscars. <laughs> um, no, um, you know, I, I, okay, film nerd moment. And that is something that my friend Robin will really love is um, I I started off with film the same way most of us did Star Wars. Um, But I saw the original version on VHS and I'm just like, oh, my God, they can do things like that on a screen, like in that little box. And another film. And this is the this is the like embarrassment confession is Titanic. Titanic was 
visually, forget the love story, forget Billy Zane and whatever wacky things he oh, was I doing in the movie. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Dude, oh, Billy. Oh my gosh. There, there was a month when it was Titanic being re-released, Scorpion King three being released, and like Phantom. some other independent and film. I'm just Phantom. like, this is this is Billy Zane's Mickey Rourke year. He's gonna come back, and I and I'm gonna grab him on the on the ground floor up and going, Billy, I've got a great movie for you. <laughs> you play the biggest asshole ever. I know what you're thinking. Well, what's there? What's different from this time? Well, you wear a funny hat. <laughs> you're acting too Billy Zaney. It's kind of cool because Zeisman and I have the same relation to like my relation to hardcore death metal is his relation to. Titanic, because we both vividly remember the first time we saw tits. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen I was, six, I was, playing I was six years old, and they stuck in my mind for years. And then when I saw the reader, uh, all my dreams kind of died. Oh, oh. <laughs> or revolutionary. Oh. I'm just road. like, oh god, age does not do those well. <laughs> I love Queen Winslet though; she's really talented. Um, <laughs> but as I, uh, I got to protect myself. <laughs> yeah, because how do I know I don't want to cast her in something? She's listening. Yeah, she is. Oh yeah, Kate, she, can you she hear me? Love I love she, you. She Kate. writes in every week. Yeah, <laughs> I love you, Rose. Um, <laughs> uh, so no, but um, I watched Star Wars and all that stuff. Um, but when I was ten years old, um, I was in California in the mountains, and um, but we had driven out from the mountains to go to the beach uh, area down near where Legoland is, um, and uh, we were in this like little condo apartment, and um, they, I, I was essentially supposed to play by myself while the my grandparents talked to the uh, to their friends. And they had a bunch of movies on their shelf, and one of them was Casablanca. I pulled it out yeah. of the shelf, and before I watched the entire film, I watched the special features and just got really into it. Hmm. And then the movie played, I watched the entire film, and I'm just like, I want to make a movie like that. I want to make – like, I, as a kid, I couldn't really relate to the love story, but I was watching this movie. This, this is a really badass action film where Humphrey Bogart kills Nazis. I want to watch this kind of movie all the time. So uh, I started kind of going from there. And then the final peg in the – in the machine, I I use that analogy wrong. <laughs> it's a cog, um, yeah. cog in the wheel. Uh, is I um uh, I watched Clerks too, and that's a really weird like thing to say, but I loved the way he wrote that movie because it was it really taught me that you can write something extremely personal and and still find a way to be original about it. Yeah. And then and then about a year later, after watching Clerks two in a the theater, I got to work with Dave Klein, uh, Kevin Smith's uh, DP on a feature. I was 16 years old. Uh, I got to work out with him in here and uh, a bunch of other people on his team. So that was fun. So like kind of growing up with that. So clerks Two holds a very special place in my heart for that reason alone. Uh, no, I'm fucking sorry. And Brad's going to hate how long this episode is. I don't care. You can't <laughs> say that was cool. Tell us about Dave Klein. How did you work with Dave Klein? Um, well, um, I, I can't really talk about it too much, but I'll say that uh, what um, he, well, cause it, you know, you, you don't like, I'll say this. He, he taught me a lot about, how to be professional on a set. He taught me a lot about how you have to, uh, you have to show up with uh, the utmost like respect for everybody around you. And I was 16 years old and I'm like, I was a kid who could shoot off my mouth. I wasn't like yeah. big on anything. Like I couldn't proclaim to be any bigger than like a little speck of dust. So I, I, I tried my best every day to show up and be the same professional that he was um, and, uh, but the biggest thing that I got out of it was, is that what's, was funny is, is that, um, we worked, we ended up working on this film and then, um, about, uh, a month later I found out that one of the actresses on that set was on Benjamin Button and the master, 
Um, her name's Madison Beatty, and she was uh, young Daisy and whatnot. So we were working oh. with a bunch of people that we had no idea where they were going to go. So it kind of gave it, it. It really teaches you to like never underestimate anybody. Like I was 16, I'm just like I only think of big names, but this taught me that everybody has everything to do with this business, and you never know who's going to go up. So like, and as a kid, that was the best lesson I ever learned, which is never underestimate anybody around you, and always try to like you know combine with their talents and create something really like great you know like that's why i work with maddie and spencer all the time like i produce synergy for maddie solely because that's the kind of movie i wish i could make so like i kind of take advantage of that stuff and dave taught me a lot of that so it was it's a fun it was a fun experience that's awesome yeah <laughs> very cool well it's been a good show guys yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it up for real nerds <laughs> Oh. Tune in next week when Brad gets a mole removed. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week when they talk about Brad Waterstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, thanks for coming, guys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming to our show. And can you tell us where we can find you guys online or where we can see trailers for you guys? Um, tell us about how we can promote you. Um. Well, um, uh, we're on, I'm sorry, uh, Twombly, right? We are currently working on a website for Take 38 Productions. Um, but uh, on Facebook, you can find a link to our short film, Twombly. Um, it's not online yet, but because of the Roadshow Tour, we may be putting it up online um, as a promotional thing. So uh, check it out for that. It's facebook.com slash Twombly. Um, for the boy who stares, we're actually in our last couple of stages of financing. So if you... Uh, if you have a dollar that you want to donate to help us make our film, um, you can go to indiegogo.com slash the boy who stares. Um, and you can, even if you don't have money to spread, you can spread the word about our film and whatnot and help us get it out there. For sure. Um, and so, yeah. And then Maddie, um, do you have anything? Yes, I do, Zach. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me at, at Matt R. O'Connor. See that? Not only my Twitter handle makes the dogs howl. <laughs> then uh, you can go to, you find links to my Vimeo from there. And I got like a, all my trailers for like five steps. The film we're about ready to release in uh, May. Then we're going to go to funnierdie.com. And then I also have a Matty O'Connor there. And pretty soon, MattyO'Connor.com will be live. You can What's FunnyOrDie.com? FunnyOrDie.com? It's a stupid little website they put up yeah, a few months ago. Yeah. I wouldn't pay much attention to it, Ryan. It's, a, it's, it's going to be gone in a few days. Oh, just a hoster. <laughs> you just put things on there. Yeah. It's like YouTube. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's just tons of shit it's and like, nothing good. It's like YouTube for, for comedy nerds. <laughs> stuff, but yeah. He's been on the front page two times. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, man. Very nice. Which is hardcore, I think. No, that is really cool. That was like so... I was so jealous when I found that. And Mayhem Miller. And TJ... A lot of Millers like me for some reason. What's going on? And then... Daddy, I really like your podcast. Yeah, you can go check out... uh, It's called Good Cop, Good Cop. And I shot it with the local comedian group, The Grolics. And we we were filming Five Steps, and they played two cops. And we just was getting in this moment of being Good Cop, Good Cop. So we went over and... uh, just shot it, and it was a pretty good time. I'm talking cool. about those guys were so funny that I was just like, I'm not funny. I don't say anything. I don't you guys. <laughs> they had uh, – uh, we shot a movie with Spencer, and they had like – there were two cops interrogating Spencer as well in our film, and uh, they, like, they just were just out of control good. Like the way they performed and 
just uh they just think they're just so they're such a tight knit group that they can just pop around so easily. They they read each other extremely well, man. Exactly. And when I made them laugh, I was like, "Oh gosh, I, I feel so good. That's awesome." <laughs> then that thing flew on a funnier die homepage, and then now I'm doing a whole bunch of shorts with dimmer comedians. So if you keep intact with that funnier die homepage, I'll and also my Twitter, I'll let you know when the website goes live. But there's gonna be a bunch of shorts with just like little sketches with local Denver comedians that you can find out when those guys are performing shows at like the voodoo or uh comedy works or anything like that. There's a lot of, and there's a place called the deer pile, which is an awesome place above city of city that does comedy shows. And like, uh, the community needs to make these guys movies. Like if you're a filmmaker, yeah. go to these comedy shows, meet these comedians. Cause they got, they have ideas and they're good actors. So absolutely use them. Yeah. We, I kind of like did stand up for a while and I still do it, but I, uh, Got to meet all of them, and they're just really, really quick and really good at remembering stuff. And I know, if, so if you need actors, hit up local comedy, like uh, open mics, like Monday Night's Lions Lair. Just go to the open mics, and like this week's edition, the Rooster has all the open mics. You can go to fifty two eighty comedy dot com and click open mics, and it's got all the lists. Go there. If you see a performer you like, it might be good in one of your films. Like, just go talk to the guys. They're really awesome, and they'll they're down to get seen, and like they need stuff for their reels to make films anyway. So it's just. You're having an awesome performance, and they're getting stuff other real. So it's like a sweet little thing that we're trying to get going here in Denver. And we're also going to shoot a feature this summer here, and just use Denver as much as we can as a as a filmmaking hub, and uh, try to just blow it up. So just cool. stay following us, cool. and then it'll be a good time. Yeah, and cool. we are. Um, we're working on a couple different features. I know Maddie's working on one. I'm working on mine, which I'm going to film right after the boy who stares. Uh, it's called Walt Met a Girl, and it's a uh, it's what I call a very, very uh, uh, sarcastic look at uh, rom- romantic relationships set in the time of uh, pot dealing in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> lots changed up? in the yeah. 18 yeah. years. It was, so. it was, yeah. it was illegal well, in origi- Colorado then. Well, originally <laughs> the idea came out of the uh, idea like when I was uh, when the election happened, um, I got stoned that night. Um, and I was right. just waiting. I wasn't waiting on the presidential results. I'm just like, come on, weed, come on, don't make me feel guilty tonight. <laughs> um, but also, you can check us out on Twitter too. Um, Maddie's at Matt R O'Connor, and I'm at at Zach E Take Thirty Eight Z A C H E Take Thirty Eight. Can you change your Twitter thing after you've already locked it in stone? Because uh, well, not if you locked it in stone. I want to make it. I want to make it Maddie O'Connor, but I already sent in my blood. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, we might talk after this because I don't know what the hell I'm doing on Twitter. I just know how to post little jokes. I don't even have a Twitter. I only have, I could barely operate a Facebook, man. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, we've taken up a lot of time, and I, if I know the show correctly, this is about the time where we start getting into what we've seen lately. Uh, first, oh. we're going to do mail because we yeah. skipped mail. That's yeah, right. we skipped mail. But, but nicely done. But, yeah, but first mail. Done. Uh, see, that's people who really Man. listen to my show. I'm, I'm so touched. I'm so touched. Uh, uh, this, is, right. this is when Brad and James start turning on him going, what do you mean your show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think what he's saying is, hey, Ryan, let's uh, let's start the show. Yeah, if you've never listened to Real Nerds Podcast, uh, welcome. Uh, you, just, you, you, just, uh, <laughs> you made it through quite a bit there. Yeah, we got... For those uh, of you just tuning in. That was a lot faster than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, that we was, have not uh, started yet. Nope. So, nice, uh, nice. Remember, every week we go and see a new movie. This week we went and saw the incredible Burt Wonderstone. So stay yeah, tuned do. for that spoilerific review. Uh, you know, you can reach us very... 
wait, you can reach us lots of ways at real underscore nerd. You can email us directly, realnerds at gmail.com. Call us, 720-6nerds5. So many things you can do. Leave us a comment on our web, our webpage, realnerdspodcast.com. So now with that, dig into the bag, pull out the fan mail electronically. Fan mail! We didn't get any snail mail this week? No, we, we didn't had get a lot any of snail, snail mail, mail this week. And Pony Express ain't working lately? No. I you know, know. It, works, it only ran for like three years. Do you, you know. feel like so special you? when you get Lazy something ponies? in the mail? Like, <laughs> yeah. new, nice, someone took the time. And then it's, <laughs> and then it's a bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you listen to the show, you know we have a couple fans. And Cora <laughs> has uh, <laughs> sent us an email. Oh uh, Cora's back. Cora's back. Yeah. I love Cora. Right? <laughs> we we made fans of Cora, our fan. When That's you right. did the episode of the Valentine's Day episode, she was like so funny. She just starts going into her like personal life. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so funny. She's really, she's like yeah. just spot on. She's just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, she's great. This is good news for her because she's, uh, she's in line to be like our, our female host. Like she Do threw it. her hat in the ring. Yeah. If she is too late. <laughs> yeah, so she's our Veronica Corningstone. Um I, I did find out that I don't read her um emails in her correct like uh I guess I don't uh, know. Cantor. It can, thank you. Uh, um, most of which is just fast. Yes. Um <laughs> like a con like constant. But anyway, of course says, Hey guys, I'm currently watching Alias season one. Awesome. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and making chicken for tacos with Birdman's barbecue smoke and dry rub. <laughs> which we yes! did yes! Yes! All right. Oh man, it's making awesome. my apartment smell amazing. By the way, oh good, it tastes good too. It does. It's awesome. Wait for the commercial. Totally. So I've been catching up on a lot of shows. Downton Abbey finally finished season three, and I had I had spoiled the end for myself. Damn you, internet! Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> it's all it's too, it's too bad she wasn't here. I would like to talk yeah. to her about that, but but it was interesting to see how they followed through with it, and I'm intrigued to see how season four goes. Does someone get knighted? I don't know. Somebody gets um, dead. <laughs> I know I've never seen know, it, man. and so I just play on like British tropes. I mean, that's what I yeah. do. Um, no. It's Downton Abbey is all about the queens. <laughs> totally. Uh, Walking Dead. OMG! So excited to see how all of the drama with the governor goes down. Spoiler: Andrea should have killed him when she had the chance. But Duh. I'm so glad Daryl is back, and after I'm Rick's right encounter now. with Morgan, he seems to have snapped out of his Rick rage stage. Yeah, the yeah. episode with Morgan was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the best moments of that show. Um, she goes on to say that the Americans could possibly be my new favorite drama. Oh, I'm not sure yet, but it sure is fun to watch. Is James, that... have you kept it up up with it? No, I've. Uh, March is a bad month for me. Is that the one where they're like they're Russian KGB agents? Yeah, yeah. in the eighties. Oh gosh. And uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The first episode, it's it's got a little <laughs> bit of like you know, really, we're still talking about the Russians. Um, but it is it is pretty dang good. Like, it's well made. I, I, I have um, no problem with the premise. I'm just like, I don't want to watch another spy show anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it looks, um, it looked like really well shot. So. Yeah, yeah. And I just haven't kept, kept on it, up on it because video games, man. Absolutely. So it went on to say your thoughts, but you just shared your thoughts. That you yeah, my thoughts are, I'm going to finish that shit. Like, that's one of the shows that I need to, to catch up on. Surprisingly, she's also watched My Little Ponies. Friendship is magic. No, she didn't. Dot dot dot. So good. Is that? Oh, she so she's a brony or a Sony? Like I don't know, like what you call a sister brony or whatever. I, I don't. Our, I our mean, friend. We have a friend named Brett Jones, and he's a brony, and it's like people who are obsessed with My Little Pony. Wait, because it's that's like, a real really? Thing? Yeah. Are you? Is this like a furry? Okay, yeah, so, I, so no, I believe that's fans absurd. Of My Little Pony, be, but but the way my friend described it is like Brett sounds like this. He's like. 
we really appreciate the writing and everything that it stands for within the My Little Pony universe. Oh, so they're not watching it ironically. They're not like they're not like hipsters. Kind of. They're looking at it ironically, but they're appreciating the ironic quality of it. And, and they like you know they they wear shirts and everything. There's conventions. It's it's an insane phenomenon. What? They are, they do wear girl shirts, but the thing is that they uh, it's. I guess kind of silly in like a like you know do you guys ever watch Flapjack or anything like those no. car, kind of cartoon network yeah. later cartoon shows oh, are like yeah. made yeah. for like the super ADD kids who like yeah. were grown on <laughs> like Ed, 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 like Ed, Ed and Eddie. So this is one that's like overly girlied and kind of like almost over sassy and super funny to quote. I yeah. get that's why I think that's the appeal that like, these guys have with it. Like an Adventure Time for Girls. Yeah, it's like Adventure Time for Girls, but like the guys thinks it's even funnier because the it's like just a bunch of dumb girl ponies walk i don't know i've never seen it but i have friends who like it and that's the kind of uh, now, now you guys seem to know an awful lot about my little pony. no <laughs> doubt and it's freaking me out because i'm sitting right next to you guys know, Come right on. Ryan, whip ryan and i have a confession to make <laughs> i knew it the sad thing is eastman and i have a weird knowledge like database of just information like everything that's not school <laughs> we're like better looking rain men like i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't know i'm pretty attracted to oh, dustin God, hoffman. I, I, I don't know like i'm just saying like i might be able to give dustin a run for his money of course technically dustin <laughs> but, but only only man. from last chance harvey i can't beat him in marathon men that's what he looked <laughs> his best <laughs> uh, right, yeah it's a cartoon and a ridiculous one at that but it's a great way to start or end my day there's definitely feeling of powerpuff girls or and foster's home for imaginary friends two of my favorites Hmm. They're all three of the same creator. I thought My Little Ponies was old. No, um, no, they, no, they, they, they pump those things it's out like it's a reboot. Like, really, yeah. it's a reboot. They cancel Star it's Wars a, it's and threw ponies it's, on. It's a darker. It's like Final <laughs> Fantasy games, man. There's just a computer somewhere that drops one every month. To like answer it, his question about what's the girl version of Bronies, it's the normal dif- demographic. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just regular My Little Pony fans. It's yeah. like what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, everything has been on hiatus for a while, so I can't gush about The Office or Parks and Rec at this point. Yeah. Also, I went and saw... Man, that's a long email. Also, I went and saw Oz, The Great and Powerful. I'm currently listening to last week's show, but I haven't gotten to the review yet. I didn't think it was super awesome. My reasonable expectations were at a 10. I reasonably... Wait. My unreasonable expectations were at 10. I reasonably oh. expected an 8, and I'd say it hit a 7. The love triangle <laughs> wasn't super believable. I like James Franco and Rachel Weisz. Their characters were easier to connect with and. Mila Kunis and Michelle Williams's, but damn, the mo- this was a movie pretty. I actually invested in a 3D for my two-hour commitment. Oh wow! And I don't regret it. Yes, they used a few. I'm gonna throw spears in your face gimmicks, but even those were executed very well. Yeah, it's Sam, Sam Raimi, Raimi, man. They're, Come on, I, there we I, go. I, I wow. Don't know. Like I, I disagree. I thought Mila handled herself very well. Again, I think but, so too. But I just think that she should have been introduced as the Green Wicked, Wicked Witch of the West way later in the film like it yeah. would have been a lot more impactful for me as an audience member they gave us they they gave it to us too fast it's like you know you're getting a hand job and you're really really nervous and then all of a sudden it just goes oh god <laughs> i don't get the other minute do i <laughs> <laughs> yes they you, oh, wait, where am i at all Plus right the um, black and white awkward. opening use of 3d was super cool i appreciated how they structured the story for the prequel with the origin of oz the con man yeah. The only super downside was that I wanted to see the shoes. Too bad they were owned by Warner Brothers. Yep. Yeah, I was reading an interview with Raimi, and he said there was a lawyer on set every day to make sure they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. They, they let every a company other stooge. Go the shoes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Look, uh, man, these shoes are very, very valuable. We can't just give them to anybody, especially the director of Evil Dead. Right. Well, we don't know well, what he's going to do to those shoes. Because technically, none of the characters from that movie, like, there is a lion. And it's cowardly, yeah, but it's, none it's, of the characters are in that movie. Because he scares away, he's like, 
Yeah. And it just goes away. Well, except for the wet, the witch, actually. That's not true. Yeah, yeah Mia Kunis' character is the same. Well, anyway. And the Tinkerer, Bill Cobbs, um, the character that Bill Cobbs plays in the movie, uh, the Tinkerer, he is the creator of the Tin Man, apparently. According oh, yeah. to like, oh yes, yeah, if yeah. If you look in like Oz mythology or something like that, it's yeah. really strange. I, I have heard that. Story. Yeah, it's because the books are public domain, but right. the Warner Brothers movie is not, so they have right. to find a way to incorporate everything without yeah. that stuff. Can't believe MGM ever let that go from their sites. Like, that's right. like how do you lose that property? Did anyone else catch um, the like the uh, Kansas version of Michelle Williams? I forget her name. But, uh, oh, uh, oh, the one Dorothy's who is mother. engaged to Bob Gale, or exactly. Bob Gale, or something like that, who is Dorothy Gale's father. Yeah. So you yeah. did catch it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't. That's why I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't catch it. R- Brad leans over to me in the movie and goes like, "That's Dorothy's mom," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> the one who abandons her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, she goes on to say, "So maybe something like that will come up in the sequel that is already rumored and will be made." Yeah. By the end, it was good, and I would probably get it on DVD or or something. What's or something as. VOD uh, um, imagination, <laughs> but I wouldn't expect to, but I wouldn't go see it again. I'm excited to hear y'all's review. Last thing. The new website is awesome. Thank you. Brad. Thank you, nice. I need to go peruse some of the articles and leave some comments getting ready for Denver comic con. Cora. Yeah, Thanks Cora. Your emails are always awesome. And then she did a follow up email. <laughs> um, she, she says another quick note, but it's like two paragraphs. Um, she says about the boys review. Yes, everything you said about the boys is accurate. When I read them, I had more than just the first trade, so it wasn't difficult to get further into the story with a lot of time, de- with a, with a, without a lot of time dedication. The shock value of some of the sex and violence serves its purpose later, but this, the, but the first trade is a bit mush. There is a quite a bit of build up to how of how terrible the characters are, and it takes a whole series to even get back, get this backstories that validate the terrible acts of heroes as well. I'm glad she said that because I'm going to talk about that later. I get the comment about the art. I'm used to cleaner artwork as well. I should know by now to expect you all do not. I can't even read. <laughs> I should know by now to expect you all to not like the stuff that I recommend. Oh, just kidding. This is something. This is what I love about your show. Honest I li- sharing. I Cora. like you, Cora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love you, Cora. Cora, your taste is what guides my life now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and your name Did reminds you me of hear Avatar. The first couple of minutes of this podcast. <laughs> but uh, uh, Frank and Weenie, come on. Um, and then Dan from Ohio sent us feedback on Oz too. He says, uh, "Greeting. I was, I was pleasantly surprised to hear Scanners the Hunting discussed on your last podcast. Oh my God, we have to see this movie now. We have to see it. Uh, why is everyone talking about Scanners the Hunting? I scanners don't know. the Hunting. Yeah. Yes. Do you guys know anything about Scanners the Hunting? I know about a movie called Scanners, but is it, nope. is it related to that? No. 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 No, what is this? I don't know. But <laughs> all of our all of our fans keep writing in and, and telling us about scanners. This is why Scanners I go to James for my movie reviews. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is about. Today. I don't know. It's probably shit. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> and he says I'm a relatively new fan of Philip K. Dick. It's a Philip K. Dick. What the fuck? And I was unaware of Screamer series until recently. However, Screamers, based on the short story Second Variety, yeah. has become one of my favorite Philip K. D. Philip K. Dick adapted films. And a sequel, The Hunting, is pretty decent for a straight-to-DVD sci-fi movie. Huh. As for Oz, the great and powerful, I must say that I was too impressed with how good it was. Though I'll admit, I often like new interpretations of Frank Baum's work, such as Wicked and Tin Man. Wicked's really good. What I found especially enjoyable were Raimi's homages to the original Wizard of Oz, which were apparently not the only to the story, but also in the style of filmmaking. It was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first 20 minutes of that film is incredible. He's a great filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was also taken with how engrossing the film was to the point where I was surprised by some of the twists and re- re- and reveals that should have been obvious. Yeah. While some of the acting was weak, Oz the Great and Powerful delivered the fun and adventurous film I was looking for. Regards, cool. Dan. 
I agree. Uh, Wait, that was Dan? Yep. Oh, okay. Cool. So yeah, that's our that's our mail for the week, guys. Very nice. Thank you everybody for writing in. Um remember if you leave a comment at the bottom of my The Perfect House review, I've given away two copies of The Perfect House. I have four more to give away. Leave a comment. You could win a copy of The Perfect House. Now, mm-hmm. if we're a guest and I leave a comment. <laughs> you can take one home with you, sir. Yes. All right, so there are now three, about there this is on now the three copies three of The Perfect House. I heard that for the past House. three weeks, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I got I I got, got to get one right now. Cool. <laughs> yeah. it takes me we'll, s- we'll send you home with one. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> We'll just pretend like you left a comment. Or leave a comment anyway. It's good for like, It's part of the contest. I'll just be like, yeah, I yeah, like yeah, Ryan's right. abs hat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Done. <laughs> um, so thank you to everybody who wrote in. Absolutely. And now it's the time of the show where we discuss the films we've watched this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Um, I watched shitloads. I, of course you did. Of course I did. <laughs> right? Yeah. What's that? What's that supposed to mean, James? Uh, nothing. Nothing. You like, mean anything? Of, of, no, 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 no. no, it's of out of it is out of shame and disappointment in myself that I only saw one yeah, thing you, this week. You asshole. I'm sorry. It, was it? Was it what we saw tonight? No. Oh. Oh. All right. Fine. Two. But that doesn't count. <laughs> no. So, um, if you're listening to the podcast, you know my goal is to watch every Robert Downey Jr. movie, and I'm still waiting for one that's so terrible that I'll never watch it again. Guess what, guys? I found one. Oh wow. Um, it's called Love and Distrust. And I don't Ooh. know if you guys have seen this. When's it um, from? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, it made ten thousand dollars in the theaters. Okay. Um, Good for it. And it's <laughs> it's shorts that have been shot over the course of time but have been collected in two thousand ten and put in one movie. What? Yeah, it's stupid. And and I'll I'll tell you why. So they they just like went and dug up every time yeah. capsule with a film in it and pretty much them all together? because well they have the it's bizarre. There's like five films in it. The first one is with Robert Pattinson and some dumb Dude, bitch. Fuck this. And um, oh, you mean Twilight? No, it, it takes. <laughs> what, what, what sucks is it takes place. It takes place in England around the moon landing, and everyone's excited to see this moon. The moon landing. Yeah, that sounds. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, totally I'm like, in right now. You're in, right? Yeah. That's I'm like, when they were really regretting letting America go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah like so the I'm moment like, you oh, say moon is, landing, I'm there. So this is so cool. And then um, this girl comes back home, and she has letters from her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend Robert Pattinson. And she, he shows up at her house uh, during during the moon landing, and it ends with her saying, "This isn't gonna work." And she walks out. That's the end of the short. It's fucking What's it horrible. What's it got to do with the moon landing? Absolutely nothing, James. He was like, <laughs> "And I missed the moon landing." Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't get it, man. The moon was her leaving. That was the moon setting on the other <laughs> exactly. side. You don't understand. I was supposed to be on that ship. I yeah. was going to. <laughs> I was going to the moon. I was an astronaut, and I stayed here for you. And now you broke up with me. <laughs> It, it's horrible. So like, yeah. Bitch move. The, the yeah. second one has Sam Worthington as um, okay. playing an Australian, so you don't have to worry about his accent oh, in the good. way. Good. Um, and it's not too bad. It's he picks up this hippie girl, and it takes place in the '60s, and he tells it's forgettable. Um, what you don't know is the twist when they when they take a hallucinogenic drug and they turn into blue cats. Yes, that's <laughs> that's why it's the best one of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> The third one stars James Franco, and he's on a train, and this girl <laughs> finds his phone. And she's a hooker, and she kills herself, and then he's like, oh, I'm so sad that she killed herself after she found my phone. <laughs> That's how it ends. Um, he didn't really look like he was given much in there. No. He's almost just like, what am I doing here? It seems like, I, it, it I seems like he was, he was in still moment. in like at UCLA, and he's like, yeah. oh, fuck, I guess I'll be he in this movie. He still is at UCLA. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, man, that man is like, uh, 127 hours was all the proof I needed to know that this man is going to be great someday. Like, he's just... Yeah. And he's actually, I think he's doing it right now, but like, 
He's just incredible. Yeah, I don't mind him. Oh, God. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was incredible. <laughs> Do you think he has his own dorm room still? Probably. Yeah, I hope oh. he does. Like, oh, it, yeah. Like, this is the first thing I'm going to do is enroll in college well, and just get a dorm room. One yeah. of his clones still lives there. Because clones are the only way that that man does as much as he does. There's there's no way that one person can write novel, write short stories and still be on, like, fucking... What's the... What's the, the, the General the, Hospital. General yeah, hospital. yeah he's does. still on General Hospital. No. Yeah, and he's, he's still there. But... <laughs> He doesn't have a day job like we do. It's right. Well, that's okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then yeah. the last one is called Automotives, which has Robert Downey Jr. in it. Okay, which here we go. Here his we part go. is really funny, but all but the rest of it has um, Jim Rash from Community. It has lots of right. has lots of oh famous people. Oh my it's, god! Have you? I, I hate to derail, but I have to ask: Have you been watching Community lately? Yes. I, I didn't like, see this. Week's. I like where it's going, despite where what some people say. Like I have a lot of friends who are fans. I like where it's going because it's trying to wrap it up. Like mm-hmm. it seems like it's yeah. trying to wrap it up. But Jim Rash in the season opener when he did the Hunger Games thing, yeah, and he just starts dancing with uh, uh with uh, sorry Jeff, and they're just doing that dance. That was one of the most the funniest television oh, moments yeah. I saw this best year. Best friends, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Best friends. <laughs> but yeah, but the the best part of it is I'm not I always say this, but seriously, Robert Downey Jr.'s part. He's in it for like two minutes, and it cuts to him and he's with a friend and they're like drinking vodka in a. A convertible, right. and this Hummer's coming down the driveway, and Robert Downey's like, "Holy shit, here he comes!" And he throws the vodka bottle out, and he gets out, and it's James Cameron, and he's like, "Hey, James, uh, can I be in your new movie?" Because this is right when he got out of prison, and he doesn't oh, wow. have a job, so he's like, "Can I please be in your movie?" And he says, "You're doing <laughs> Spider-Man, right? I can play the Goblin." And James's like, "You know what? You're wearing my shirt. Get my fucking shirt off of you." He's like, he's like "Okay, here you go." And then so then James Cameron drives away, and then another car comes down the driveway, and Robert Downey Jr. and his friends like, "Oh fuck, the the door's open. Let's go!" And they run up his driveway and they jump in his office and start answering his phone and shit (laughs) he's only in it for like three minutes but it's a little funny bit but the movie is fucking horrible Um, (laughs) the the dvd art has like two people that are hugging that aren't in the movie (laughs) Um, and it's i looked at that and i'm like why am i what yeah (laughs) it was it was like looking at the image for the room poster and you're just like this is not in the movie like (laughs) just just like it's like his headshot that's all it is it's tommy's headshot going like oh that looked fabulous (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's horrible um um, I also saw a movie with him called Black and White, okay. which is like a hip hop rapping movie that has what? Uh, <laughs> the hippity does, hop music. Wait, wait, wait! wait. Yeah. Does Robert Downey Jr. hippity hop no, rap in no, this no, movie? No. <laughs> no, but it it has a lot of people in it that you'd recognize. Um, it's Ben Stiller's in it. Um, it's it seems like it's an independent film that everyone shot for a couple days and yeah. then they, like they did cut it, it together. Exactly, because the director of it actually directed. Downey Jr. in The Pickup Artist and um, Two Girls and a Guy. Mm. Um, so he, yeah, the movie's okay. Mike Tyson is really good in it. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Was he boxing? Oh, God. No, he wasn't. He was telling this kid that he... It's really stupid. This kid's trying to be a, like a rap star, but he, it, it's dumb. Uh, <laughs> he, Elijah he, Wood's in it. He, him in the Hangover Part Two was like the weirdest, like out of nowhere thing ever. Yeah. Like I know he's part of that universe, but I'm just like, why are you here? <laughs> no, nowhere, nowhere near as good as his appearance recently on How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Oh God, that was fun. That was good. Um, but Robert Downey Jr. plays Brooke Shields' husband, who's a closet homosexual. Uh, not Brooke Shields, Robert Downey Jr. Right. So he has some little funny bits, and he's only in it for a little bit, and then he breaks up with his wife, and he's like, "I'm a cum guzzler," and he like throws his hands <laughs> up and runs into the hotel. It's and that's the end of Robert Downey Jr. in that movie because he dies from being a cum guzzler. No, he just he he throws his arms in the air. It's and a he's serious. Oh, oh, okay. Like that's what he's not. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Uh, and he's you can't he's make done. Fun of that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so those are the two Robert Downey Jr. movies I saw this week, and both of them are meh. Uh, I also watched The Great Mouse Detective. Um, nice. So it's, it's a great Disney movie. I haven't seen it in years, and I had lots of fun watching it. Yeah, um, dude. Oh, I'm all about this. I, I, I haven't watched that in years, but I remember... I remember being very affected by Mouse Moriarty. It's <laughs> yes. just—it's it, almost like that's been my envisionment of every villain in every movie I want to do. Is just like this overtly rotund man who's just like, "Yes, we're going <laughs> to over the world today," <laughs> and voiced uh, impeccably by Vincent Price. So, um, oh, yes, and it looks great. On, it was one of his last roles, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it looks great on Blu-ray. Um, the bummer is it only has one special feature. It's a making of that's like five really? minutes long. Was it like an archive thing or was yeah. it? Yeah. And, and the archive, it shows like it's old footage before it was upgraded to Blu-ray. It looks horrible, but the, the Blu-ray makes it look great. The DVDs, awesome. like some of the stuff that Disney puts out goes up really extensively. Like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Disney, I think, makes the oh, best Disney, Blu-rays. Yeah. I, hands down, Dave. That's why I'm so surprised that this one's not great because usually yeah. their Blu-rays are just That's, yeah. that's, that's how I amazing. felt the Muppets should have been. The Muppets was like, it's a good Blu-ray and it has the audio commentary one, right. but it doesn't have... Like I wanted a documentary they, about how Siegel went into making that. They, sure. they spend. A, you're right. There's none of that. But they spent a lot of time. If you ever pause that movie while you're watching it, hours of fun. Honestly, there's documentaries about making the movie in the pause screen. Oh, uh, honestly, like, it's like a maximum yeah. movie mode, like Kevin Smith did for copy. No, no, no. Like it pauses and then like after as it pauses for a while, it'll like you'll hear the characters talk and then it'll start like a little documentary about. But it's like the lamest documentary you've ever seen. It's like, like it's, pur- it's purposely Dis- lame. Produced for Disney kind of thing. Like yeah. it was like when the Disney when they released well, when they released Muppets Muppet the Muppet movies that Disney owned yeah. on DVD, they did these like interviews with a Muppet. Kermit Peppy the Shrimp, like just weird <laughs> yeah. random characters, like Fozzie. Like I believe you had to get to Muppet Caper for him or something like that. Yeah. And they were just the weirdest things. And I saw those in the Blu-ray for the Muppets, and I was like, oh, they're doing this again. Uh, this is like <laughs> a. This is like a a. I think it's like a making of the making of right documentary, okay. like or, or something like that. Like it, yeah, or, or or it's a trailer for the making of that that tells that it's going to teach you nothing, something like that. Right I, you, but I, I just mean they they bury a lot of stuff in that DVD. Um, so that's why I think on the on the face that one doesn't seem like much because there is some cool stuff in there. Um, but anyway, um, um, I also nothing. watched. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie. It's called Josie and the Pussycats, yes. and it's oh one my of my God. like favorite guilty pleasure movies because it's so dumb but it's so funny. How did this come up? Uh, I I was at Tradesmart and it was four dollars, and I was like, "Fuck All yeah!" Right. Well, the thing that. that's stupid too. What really makes me mad is they have the original version and they have a family. Edited version. What? I'm like, really? They're Isn't that movie PG-13? The Pussycats really need to be PG-13 rated. <laughs> yeah. But you uh, gotta add more sex well, to Well, yeah. In, in that version, it's just called Josie and the Band. <laughs> yes. There's it's no... Called, it's called Josie and the... You know what's going on here. Yeah. Stop pretending. But, you know, before you judge, it should really watch it. It's totally zany. It's yeah. these... Uh, Parker Posey plays a record executive, and she's putting the movie phone guy in the background of all the music, and it's sublimely telling you to like things. So like Coke and you go out and buy Coke and things like that and uh, the soft drink guys and right, uh, yeah. there's a boy band called Du Jour and it has Breckenmeyer, Seth Green, uh, Donald Faison who's in Scrubs and some other random guy I don't even know who he is but inside of their uh, Learjet is Target stuff everywhere and so the movie has all the subliminal messages and product placement in the movie right. while they're telling you that the music you're listening to has product placement in it yeah um, and it's just stupid but it's funny uh the boy band dies at the 
beginning because they want uh, the new boy band, or in this case, the girl band, to promote the new stuff. And at the end, they all come back. And they said, oh, my God, you guys, that plane crash hit to you? And uh, the one guy says, what? you don't look so bad. He says, no, it's not the plane crash. Our plane landed safely in a Metallica concert. And not a day goes by where I don't thank God I know the words to enter the Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are like the lines in the movie. It's totally bizarre and funny. And uh, give it a chance. I'm, I'm telling you. That's good. Enter Sandman rocks. Totally, right? right. Um, and the last thing I saw, I was fortunate enough to get an advanced screening of Evil Dead. Um, <sighs> don't spoil it. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. I'm not going to spoil it. But I will tell you this: there is things in that movie I have never seen in a movie. The, tra- the trailer gave me ten Freddy peas. Like it's an amazing trailer. Yeah. Okay, do the trailer, but turn it up about a hundred because there is moments in this movie I could not believe it's rated R. Um, oh wow! I will say that some of the acting isn't the greatest. Okay, but. The gore is all practical for the most part. Wow. Um, my favorite part about the movie is I went in there and they took my cell phone and they sweeped you for like electronics so you wouldn't steal any of the movie. And uh, when I went in there, there's a lot of reserve seats. And I kept on walking. I was like, I got to find a place to see. And I looked and there was a studio executive's part. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to sit behind the studio executives because they're not going to say shit. And so I sat behind. Jeffrey be- Robinoff comes in and goes, what the hell? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I sat behind and it was this. One lady, she had three uh, seats reserved for her, and she sat down and she had a notepad, and um, she was writing down audience reactions to the Uh, movie. And I I will say, I've never seen an audience react to a movie like I've seen react to this movie. It was awesome. And uh, April 5th, definitely go see Evil Dead. Um, There is parts where people really, I mean... 300 people go, oh, shit, because there's parts that just blow your mind in this movie and that they pulled it off. It seems like they're hearkening back to yes. when Halloween first screened and they had those like reactions of like, oh, no, PJ Souls, don't go, don't turn around. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, if they were filming that, that would sell that movie. I mean, besides yeah. the Red Band trailer. But honestly, the thing that makes me not go to movies the fastest is anytime you talk to the audience when they came out. Like, like that killed, that killed Kick-Ass. Like, that's why no one went and saw Kick-Ass. Like, when the trailer is like, these are real people coming out of the movie saying it's great, no one goes to see that movie. Yeah, I understand. Um, but, I mean, it's uh, uh, 300 people, like, yeah. gasping at a movie. Yeah. yeah but it's because it always seems fake when they do yeah. that in the trailer. Yeah, like, I You always feel like, well, those guys are morons, and I'm smarter than them. So, I, <laughs> I want to I ask you a very hard question, though, Ryan. Okay. This is a hard-hitting question that you probably won't be able to answer. Okay. Ryan, am I going to like this movie? <laughs> you don't like horror? Um, I don't like horror either. You don't. But um, I appreciate what these guys are setting a bar for. Right. Like, as of yeah, like I appreciate it, but I... Get away with in like, film. Anytime they push it, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's a tough question. Because, I mean, I, I'm somebody who hates torture porn, and I am so afraid that this movie is going to lose any heart and soul in order to flirt with being torture porn. I... I don't know. It's I'm, not torture porn. I'm not going to okay. see it, to be honest, because I, be, <laughs> I think it's just kind of cheap. Yeah. Cheap, right. cheap thrills when like there's a movie out there that's probably really since the same time. It's got some pretty sweet writing to it. Like, but yeah. I've never been a horror fan my entire life. Um, just yeah. Nothing that I've been. Yeah. Attracted to. I mean, I, I'm not going to spoil it. I mean, there is parts that I did have problems with it. Yeah. Um, because I'm such a huge fan of evil dead, the, the trilogy. Um, but I, I do respect what the filmmaker has tried to do. And there is moments where I I literally could not believe what they were doing on screen. Yeah. Um. I I, th- I think you can enjoy it. 
Um, it's not torture porn, I, I okay. promise. Cool. Um, there is, if you've seen Evil Deads or you enjoy Evil Deads, it's in the same vein. Does it still have any of the, like, any of the little bits of humor that we're in, too? No, it goes straight to one, doesn't it? It is, it is straight horror. Okay, there's, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. there's no campiness about it. That's what no, it's no, no. That's what's okay. clever about it, though, like, I don't know. I, I will say the one thing that you do miss in it is Bruce Campbell. Oh, of course. Yeah, Bruce I, is my I, that's boy. That's what's been holding me back is there's no Ash. Yeah, but you but, don't. But, we don't want an Ash because there's a guy in there where you know I guess he's trying to be the Ash character, but not funny. But he's just you know the straight guy. No. <laughs> yeah, you're just no. like well, this is so, nowhere close. So yeah, this might just be like its own one time thing. Like we may not get a series. Uh no, I think there's going to be a sequel. Yeah. Oh, um, fun. I hope they don't yeah. it. I hope they. I hope they continue the trend. I don't want them to. Try to create a straight sequel to it. Cause... No, um, if you stay tuned for real news, we'll talk about uh, for sure for what's going on with that stuff. Well, I won't uh, be able to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, April fifth, go see Evil Dead. It it'll blow your mind if you're a horror movie it's fan. A good filmmaking though, like is it like yeah, because that's like there's a difference between oh, no bad horror film and good filmmaking. I, I agree. Oh yeah, the, the film is shot very well, right. um, and the it, it doesn't it has maybe one cheap scare in it, but most of the scares in it are I mean legitimate like horror it's not you know a loud noise from this orchestra or something passes in front of the camera really fast yeah a lot of it is danny elfman works really hard for that score though right <laughs> he, he does um I, I can't i won't spoil the stuff in it but i mean there's moments that are just shocking right. and the way they're shot is it's better than uh, texas chainsaw oh dude <laughs> yeah. don't even compare i think i like more of those old classic horrors like Rosemary's Baby or like a, yeah. this Shining style, like those are the things that I, I'll watch yeah. over and over, even at late yeah. at night. I don't care because the filmmaking is just so good and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's. Uh, Kubrick, I, I think it's but, the ghost know. stories I'm attracted to, and not a horror film. Yeah, to be honest, when it comes I, down to it, I love a ghost story in a movie, but I don't like horror films. For for me, it is the 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 horror movies that are about people. That those are the ones that I like. So for me, they're movies like Frailty or even Zodiac. Zodiac, the oh, yeah, last the last moments of Zodiac scare the shit out of me. Zodiac is the um, primary basis for what we're doing for the boy who stares. Like we oh, took wow. a lot out of there, like trying to create yeah. suspense and whatnot. That movie is fucking perfect yeah. in yeah. almost every way. Yeah, the opening. Why do people feel so lonely? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> uh, and that's what I watched this week. Brad, what did you watch? What did you eat, Brad? Sorry. I'm getting caught in here. Um, I watched one movie, but it was made up of 26 little movies. And that was called The ABCs of Death. Okay, now I've heard about this thing. Ty and West I don't, is in that. He is. I don't entirely know what the hell it is. It's basically another anthology, horror anthology. Um, but it's 26 movies. It's 26 movies. You know, one for, one that represents represents each letter of the alphabet. Um, what they did is... Oh, oh. They... Um, gave all these different filmmakers what? It, it, that took me a second. I didn't put the twenty six and the ABCs together. Honestly, Seriously? yeah, you're an yeah. idiot. Um, <laughs> thank you. That's okay, dude. I put it together at the same pace. I just didn't say anything. <laughs> you were smart, smart, like smart enough to yeah. not admit it. Yeah, I, like, I, oh. di- I didn't, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically, uh, I think, randomly gave, gave a bunch of uh, twenty six different filmmakers a letter, and then they had to decide what they were gonna make that letter represent in horror Mm. um oddly enough a lot of the films like what they chose isn't horror related like um like q uh they turn theirs into a movie called quack and it's about uh them trying to kill a duck because they can't think of what movie to make q represent (laughs) yeah so there there's actually two films that cop out uh where the storyline is 
we have this project and we don't know what to do with it, so let's just fuck around and make something random. Yeah. And the other one is uh, W for what the fuck, and it's made by the guys who do Metalocalypse, the cartoon. Oh, wow. So theirs just devolves into the like all the montage parts of Metalocalypse, where there's just like random stuff <laughs> floating around the scene, like things are getting just murdered and stuff. And that's great. It's it's and uh, both of them are actually kind of like uh, witty and funny. Um, but as far as like being a horror theme thing, it's not yeah t- too literal. Um, but I was going to go over not all 26, but there were some, it, it's got, it, it has its ups and downs. There's some very, uh, shocking, ridiculous stuff. And there's also just kind of like, oh, okay, that's a, whatever. Uh, actually Ty West one, which he got, um, M for, uh, uh, he did mes- miscarriage and it's only about two minutes. Oh, wow. Um, that's, all too, that's all Ty West needs to make a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> True. I, I'm thoroughly convinced of that. After watching The Innkeepers and, and House of the Devil, I'm just like, this man is a genius. Yeah, he I, knows I love exactly those movies. What he's doing. The Innkeepers, it's. That's a perfect horror comedy. It's like Clerks, yeah. but a horror, because it's yeah, just two it, people it sitting is, behind a counter. It is Clerks with horror. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> just shooting the shit. And uh, anyway, um, but his was a little disappointing because it, like, it's so brief and it's also just like. Weirdly, there's four or five stories that revolve around a toilet. So I don't know if there's like a conspiracy to get together about like <laughs> shit stories. <laughs> so, but um, it was just five people sitting in a room going, "Well, what the fuck are we gonna do for these movies?" Yeah, yeah. a lot um, of them do I don't feel know, like that. Toilet, because Hitchcock loved toilets. Apparently, <laughs> the um, a, a lot of the filmmakers are uh, either are Spanish or Japanese, and the one that like was really bizarre, it's like, and it's, it comes in early on and it stands out right away is F. And they, it's uh, F for fart, what? and it's a Japanese one. And I have the Wikipedia description does here the, to does help me describe. Kill exactly. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so lying. Fart jokes are not funny. I'm gonna tell you right now. No, fart jokes aren't scary, <laughs> and they are not funny either. Barfing it, is funny all the time, though. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not scary. It's it's. Um, what did I watch recently? Uh, never mind. Okay, I got the Wikipedia descriptions here to help me because there's you know too many to remember how to describe it concisely. But in Japan, a schoolgirl claims that she does not believe in g- that God exists. If he did, <laughs> he wouldn't allow sensitive girls to fart. As she is what? farting, she is discovered by a female teacher, Miss Yumi. The girl is revealed to have romantic feelings for Miss Yumi, her favorite teacher. The ground shakes and an earthquake releases poisonous gas that kills everyone. The girl and Miss Yumi run away to escape the gas, and in a room, the girl confesses to wanting to die by smelling Miss Yumi's gas instead. Miss Yumi removes her skirt and farts for the girl. (laughs) In the movie, she pulls down her panties, bears her ass, and a a yellow cloud just starts emanating in the other girl's face, (laughs) and she's enjoying it from the expression on her face. It is going up into her nostrils. Uh, the girl bends down to receive her gas, which is yellow. The yellow gas surrounds the girl and consumes her. She and Miss Yumi are shown naked inside a yellow area. That's right. It goes into this ethereal world where they're like curled up in the fetal position. They're in the fart now, right? In the fart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 The fart is a different, uh, like temporal. The zone. fart nether world. <laughs> um, the girls embrace and kiss. Yeah. Man. So, Wait, so they fart in the kiss. Are yeah. they kissing the fart? They're yeah, they're fetal curled up together, and they're just embracing the fart. Well, I take Clouds. everything back I said about farts. That uh, 
That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Did that sound scary? I love the Japanese. We're gonna, we're gonna end it on that one with me. There's actually you not... just described every fever dream that Gary Busey's ever had. <laughs> oh, what's going on Busey? over How there odd. on the other side of the world? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and that wasn't even the most fucked up of the Japanese ones I saw. Oh my god. Um, oh, this is good. Oh. One, the one really haunting one was a uh, G for Gravity, and that. Um, Short was just a point of view shot, like from a GoPro camera. Um, really low quality, even though it was like GoPros are high def. But um, the guy just drives up to a beach, uh, parks the car, gets out, opens up his trunk. He's got, uh, I don't remember how a surfboard fit in there, but it did. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like a little hatchback too. Um, and then he opens up a blue bag and starts putting bricks into it. Closes up the bag. You watch him walk out into the sand toss the uh, surfboard in the water and he starts paddling out as far as he can. And then uh, all of a sudden you hear this like kerflunk and then he just goes underwater and you never see him. It's just always all his view. And then I think uh, there's like a dissolves to indicate time has passed and then he flips back to the top. And I guess I didn't put together that the bricks were like he was drowning himself. Right. But you know, it's, there's no dialogue. It's just pretty much the sound of everything around him. And uh-huh. that, like I found that haunting. Um. So, yeah. What's the other creepy Asian one? The other creepy Asian ones. Uh, cycle dogfight. There was one called Dogfight, which was just like a boxer fighting a really rabid dog, and it was all in slow motion. Uh, and it was like really crisp, like yeah. Um, like the visuals really cool in like in in that uh, phantom cam slow motion, and I imagine that if uh. It had been in like real time motion. Watching this guy just punch a dog in the face repeatedly would have been hilarious. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Hilariously comedic. But the fact that it's slowed down and it's got like that Fincher uh, uh, grayed out. Yeah. And just like <laughs> these uh, two animals fighting each other. Um, that was cool. Otherwise, the story was just really simple. Like he's fighting this dog, you know? Yeah. Um, and also the each of the films would play. And then at the end of the film, uh, it would the screen would run red with blood and then these uh, baby blocks would uh, yeah, p- appear <laughs> up through the uh, through the blood to spell out like what the title of the film was. So it'd be like A is for um, apocalypse, you know, whatnot. Um, so that was cool. But, it, you know, it was the same thing 26 times. Um, uh, Dogfight. H is for hydroelectric diffusion. It was... A guy and a girl dressed up as like furry cosplay. Like the guy was a dog who was like a World War II pilot. I'm in. I'm in. And then the girl was like a burlesque, you know, fox. (laughs) 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 And uh, this is all too much for 26 films. She turns out to be a Nazi and she like throws this like hydroelectric lever and like tries to electrocute (laughs) the dog pilot. Yeah. um, I love twists and turns like that. That sounds awesome. (laughs) All right, some intrigue. I'll just get to the other shocking ones, I guess. Oh, actually, there's a really good, like, cinematography-wise. O for or- O was for orgasm. Right. <laughs> okay. And, uh, nice. A man and that woman a are shown thing. in prog- provocative scenes. The woman throws her head back and bubbles emerge from her mouth. The sounds of whips can be heard. And she moans in various parts of the body. It's basically just like kind of like a long montage of just, like, all these, like, very slow-motion, dreamy, like, like, the bubbles floating around stuff and, you know, the sexy imagery. Yeah. But this like, it was shot really well. Like, hey, Brad, <laughs> <laughs> come on over here. <laughs> uh, there's the one where this um, 
I think uh, Asian guy, he buys a parrot and uh, he shows his uh, girlfriend <laughs> that he taught, you know, the parrot to say some things. And then as she, f- it's like, oh, that's cute. And then all of a sudden the parrot starts repeating like uh, stuff that happened the night before with the mistress that he's keeping. And so she stabs him. <laughs> um, but the what parrot, about the bird? Did she kill the bird? The bird got away. He was oh, fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> as long as the bird gets away. Yeah. But it was, it, yeah, it was, the bird was funny because yeah, he's just, like bouncing up and down. So. The bird was a strong point of that film. <laughs> uh, the whole film, twenty six. Uh, L is for libido. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. So a bag is pulled off a man's head. He looks over and finds himself restrained with leather straps to a chair with people wearing masks watching him. Another man is also restrained in a chair a few feet away from him, and a naked woman appears on a stage in front of them and starts dancing. Yeah. The side of the screen shows the words stage one. The man in the other chair masturbates, and the first man fo- follows suit. He- <laughs> okay. Full. Is it like hardcore? Full, like- full movie. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the- <laughs> it's oh, short about like you got to beat off. <laughs> you got to beat the other guy <laughs> Oh. Uh, before, you know, he ejaculates so that you can go on to the next round and you just, they end up having to be subjected to more and more horrific things. I, like, I don't like where Bob Barker's going these days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, they, do they kill the, the guy who show. finishes second? Yeah. He gets, oh, no. He gets killed with a metal pipe that like gets uh, no. inserted. Like, no. <laughs> no. Right uh, through his asshole. No. Up through his mouth. No. And one, at one point, the like no, the Vanna doesn't. White uh, for the game show yeah. Is like leaning over his shoulder and she's not paying attention, so it goes up through his face and then hers too. No, and pops her eye out. What? Um, yeah, and then I'm not okay. Yeah, it's that's, that's, that's a little those Asians. Yeah, um, they could have had it go through his pee hole. <laughs> this, okay, you're right. Wait, wait, wait a little. Been silver lining. Oh, yeah. and uh, because he, how oh, was it? He wins. So then, like after that, it's not a naked lady anymore. Now it's like something not sexy. It gets yeah, it, it, less sexy. Like uh, like there's an old person getting naked. Chelsea and then, Handler. And then there's a. Oh God! <laughs> Zing! No. Where'd that come from? I don't. Um, As you should. <laughs> you know what? I still think she's hot. I, right? I don't think she's funny. I get I get why she has a career, but I don't think she's that funny. She yeah. doesn't seem that funny to me. Her stuff. She's okay. Um, she's probably funnier than uh, a man fucking a boy, which is like the next oh, no. level. No, what? Yeah, Ooh. that's awful. Um, and that's in the funnier. movie. That's oh in the my movie. God, this is horrible. Yeah, like not since Father's Day have you shocked me so. <laughs> <laughs> Father's Day. <laughs> um, uh, there's one called Unearthed, which was uh, it's another point of view one where it's like buried but backwards. Huh? It's like buried but backwards. Yeah, like they dig up this thing, which is the thing is the point of view the whole time. It's Ryan Reynolds. Um, so they dig up a GoPro. They dig up a DVD of the Green Lantern, and it starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> it starts attacking they everyone. Bury it again. <laughs> it's a little uh, visually, it's like Blair Witch, uh, except like, um, you know, this thing that you can't see is attacking all these people who are trying to like fight it off, and it's just like running through the forest and they're trying to chase it and kill it. But it's also like attacking, like biting people in the neck. And then finally they get it and you watch like they're it getting its head cut off, but from its point of view and stuff. And I thought that was pretty uh, haunting. Um, yeah, those are probably the standouts. And then like the last one Z is for Zetsu Metsu. It's another Japanese thing that was what? just like uh, apocalyptic and there was like lots of nudity and 
game show style stuff. And that, that's that's all right. always, always yeah. a picture. A, a picture of the apocalypse is just a lot of nudity and a lot of the Price is Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's here's the end of the world is a game show. Here's the bottom line, Brad. Should people go see this? If you like what I described, um, if, any, <laughs> if any of that sounded interesting to you, um, I was entertained by a few of them. Does somebody have that many personalities? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's up. I, I I don't know if I can recommend it because of all like. It's pretty shocking some of the stuff and yeah, um, and I would imagine kind of inconsistent. I mean, because like I, with normal shorts, you could put them in in an order so that they sort of flow for, for you know tonally and things. Yeah, like they're, that. this they're but restricted because by they the are letters restricted. Of the alphabet, yeah. yeah, like you know, if it's in alphabetical order, then it means that you could go from one that's really good and and dark and intense to like one that's not, um, and that would make it pretty hard to watch. I would imagine. Um, Sorry, I was just, I was remembering. There's this there's this really badass one that was like um like it looked like a movie version of Mass Effect. Oh yeah, uh, with the robot that was like shooting everyone. Never mind. Oh, and there's also why for Jason Eisner who did Hobo with a Shotgun. Uh, he had a short in there about a kid who's uh being uh trained to shoot deer by a like a pedophilic gym teacher. Oh good. Um, sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're a crack shot. When I need, oh, <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, sorry, that was all disjointed, but that was like a ton of stuff to remember. That's all right. You'll go. I know you. You'll go back in and you'll cut them all into alphabetical order. Yeah, yeah. Um, so me or them. you or I think we should get to our guests. All right, all right, all right. Matt, Matt, saying me. All right, James, all right, go well, for it. I, I'm quick. So. Hear that? I he's, he's quick. Ah. I haven't said anything in like 15 minutes. So. I know. He, <laughs> Ryan was getting uncomfortable. He's looking at the time. Like, he's like, I, I, got, I got to make fun of him right now. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like, I'm so, the host of this show. And I'm not even talking. Star- <laughs> Starcraft 2 came out this week, so I didn't do much. I played, I played Tomb Raider. That's I played awesome. a lot of stuff. Man, isn't that game great? Yeah. That's the reason I didn't watch anything last week. Um, See, I have a you know uh, obligation to the podcast, so not only do I play I do Tomb Raider, I that's still why, watch stuff. That's why yesterday I forced myself to watch Manhunter, which I'd never seen before. Um, yeah, I'd never seen Manhunter before. It's a, the Michael Mann. Yeah, it's uh, Michael Brian Mann. Cox as um, Yes, yeah, that's the the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. I mean, it's, it was made before Silence of the Lambs, so that's unfair. But um, it's the Red Dragon's like the reboot. Yeah. Right, and Red so Dra- here's it's, it's essentially Red Dragon, but. By Michael Mann. Right. And here's the thing. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was Red Dragon. And I really like Red Dragon. Um, no matter what, the, uh, the Brett Ratner naysayers will, will you know. I, I really Brett like, Ratner was yeah. in black and white. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Like yeah. as an actor? No, he's shooting the music video for the rapper. Does he bring nothing to the role? Absolutely. Yep. That's what he does. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. It's that he, he, he doesn't like elevate anything. like I set anything. that up, though? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't elevate anything. He doesn't make anything worse. Like he's he just, just he He just does it, and it's okay. Um. In I, in in Red Dragon, that script I think is is really good, and so when he does it, it works. Uh, unlike that, I don't really like Manhunter very much, um, and the, part of it is it's very eighties, you know, and it's very Michael Mann in the eighties. You know, there's a lot of like eighties music, and and yeah, there's it's a lot of synth. If you grew there's... up on Anthony Hopkins, it really is. If yeah, you that's up true. On Anthony yeah. as that character, well, but, it's very hard to accept. But and Brian Cox is not in the movie that much. Uh, no, certainly, not. certainly not as much as he is in, or, or 
Hannibal Lecter is not in that movie as much as he Hannibal Lecter is in Red Dragon. Right. Um, he's in like one or two scenes really, uh, and and there's nothing for Brian Cox to even do. Right, like he's kind of creepy, but there's nothing there. Yeah, um, it's, it's more about Will. Than yeah, else. and and the way there's there's two big problems for me. One, I I don't like the whole the Michael Mannness of it. Get, I think gets in the way. A lot of the time, there's so much like style and look how blue this shot is that it, I don't enjoy what I'm looking at. Um, I, I like there's not story that's propelling everything. Uh, and the, the other thing is that part of why I love Red Dragon is that they they pay particular attention to that that relationship between um, the killer, the uh, the tooth fairy in Red Dragon, and the girl he falls in love with, the blind girl. And they build that relationship with uh, in, in a very specific way, and and gradually, and actually make you feel for those two characters, and kind of believe to some extent. Like, yes, it is a view into why this guy's crazy and how crazy this guy is. But they actually kind of, I think, get to a place where you you believe maybe she's turning him around. Like maybe she's the thing that that like she's tapped into something, and maybe he's going to be okay. And then of course he's not. Uh, and everything burns down, and then, you know, um, people die. Um, and I love that, and this movie completely fails at that. Like, it uh, it goes through the whole thing and, like, puts the, 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 the um, FBI agent's family in, in jeopardy and all that stuff, and then jumps over and introduces us to the killer and does it, like, as two big, two different stories. Um, so if you were liking the first one, it completely leaves the other behind. It doesn't intermingle them at all. Uh, so by the end, it's not like a climax, you know, it's like, oh, okay, these two are, these two stories were happening at the same time, I guess. And it's just, it's distracting and doesn't do a good job, I don't think, it, at really making you like those characters. Um, makes me realize I don't think I like Michael Mann very much. Certainly mm-hmm. not as a writer. Um, the, you know, obviously Heat is amazing, but uh, I think his movies are very hit and miss. Yep. <laughs> uh, but seriously, that's all I've been watching. Guys, guys, you see well, anything, Spence? I um, I watched the um the first act of Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, you right, fell asleep. You got through the whole first act. <laughs> so, yeah, nicely done. Yeah. You're stronger than the rest of us. To be fair, that might be the worst act of the three. Yeah, uh, the, the, I was paying attention dwarves, for a good great. part. Yeah, exactly. That's, I yeah. got to the door, so I was like, <laughs> down, down for the count. You get to see Nick Frost acting all fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not uh, great, is it? So you were sleepy. I was. Whoa. I, I, Whoa. Some of us work at five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, some of us do. Yeah, so I, I felt like, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. He copied the Highlander. He sounded like the Highlander the whole time. Ah, uh, yes. I, okay. So yeah. leave Duncan McLeod alone and go yeah. back to acting like <laughs> Thor, like a badass. Okay, I, I totally see where you're going. Yep. Yes, and that's all I got for you. <laughs> <laughs> that other girl from the other movie, uh, the Twilight. Yeah, exactly. Yes, she's Chris horrible. Yeah, Chris Stewart. Yeah, Chris Stewart. I don't know, man. Later though, in that movie, she smiles a couple times. Oh, nice. Oh, and you know what? Yeah. She's, she's not. Yes, the, the miracle the pump miracles. Horrible. Which we finally got an emotion out of that woman after like four or five years. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen In the Land of Women? No, no. That was an awesome movie. She was a bit younger, but Meg yeah. Ryan was in it, she, and a little dude from the OC was in it. Here's the thing: she's a good actress. I think that those Twilight movies are—I don't know what she's doing with them, but I saw the Runaways, and she's really good in the Runaways. Oh yeah, she's really solid in it. She knows exactly what she's doing. That's more Dakota Fanning's movie. So what? When when Stewart's on screen, it's a little bit more like 
we're a little bit more invested in her as Joan Jett. Yeah. Because um, it follows Sheree Darling more than anything else. But And I, I think that's a movie where I haven't seen it, but her as Joan Jett sort of makes sense as it, far as like the pouty, dark, you it, know. It makes sense. And you know what's funny? She's not even that bad in The Huntsman. I really do feel that the reason that she gets a lot of the flack that she does for Twilight is because that she's working off a poorly written script. Yeah. I, and I she probably has nothing three. to do with vampires, yeah. so she doesn't know how to yeah. portray them. But Joan Jett, she probably loves it. Everyone loves Joan Jett. I saw the first three Twilight movies in the theater because I, I used to go with my sister. We didn't see the last two because I just said, I'm done watching these. Yeah. But David Slade. That's directed, too bad because they get better. Yeah. <laughs> David Slade directed the third one, and the third yeah. one was really fun. And I, that's when I came to the conclusion is everybody else is trying here. They're working off of a really crappy story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. The, Everything should be there for something fun, but it's just the script is just it, not up to par. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like that. Like I, I don't feel like they're trying. And then I've heard that the last film has like the most insane like fucking climax ever, where they're all killing each other. Oh, it's it's pretty awful. And I, yeah. I want to see that solely for that. Like I, I refuse to watch part one because I refuse to watch another deer hunter wedding with vampires. No, so. no, 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 because part one. <laughs> Part one has the vampire C-section in it, which is... Yeah, cool. which is... <laughs> like, vampire C-sections, are, every movie should have one just yeah. at the beginning, just to get it out of the way. Okay. And then, just to get it out of the way for, like, Schindler's List. Yeah, <laughs> we need right. to have that one yeah. vampire abortion before we go yeah. <laughs> No, not abortion. That would be horrible. No, no. <laughs> C-section. C-section. We're saving there, lives here. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have anything else? No, no. We were just okay, talking yeah, about... Yeah, it's your turn now. Okay, um... I saw, actually, I picked up, I on a whim, I picked up Hitchcock on Blu-ray. Yeah. And I really, I dug it as a movie fan and as a film fan, as a classic film fan. Um, but I felt like, you know, like what I wanted to see out of Anthony Hopkins wasn't exactly what I was going to get. But Helen Mirren as Alma Hitchcock was an amazing performance. Like it, it, it totally you. sells the film around her. It's, it is about Alma. That yep. movie is about how Alma made that man able to do the things that he does. And Hitchcock's played more like a supporting character. And I totally dug it. And he got Hitchcock down to a T. He got everything down perfectly. Um, the voice is a little fluctuating, but I expected that. I wasn't like looking for perfection here. Like right. I knew this wasn't going to sweep anything. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I watched it. Like they got everything down. Like Scarlett Johansson plays a great Janet Leigh. Uh, Beale played Vera Miles so perfectly, like she got that condescension down about how she felt about Hitchcock and all of these things. Like yeah. I was, I was thoroughly impressed, and I love that James Darcy plays Norman uh, Norman Bates uh, or Anthony Perkins because he handled that moment so well about like trying to hide something because you know yeah. Norm, uh, Anthony Perkins was bisexual, and it, it's you always have that feeling behind that Norman character, like there he's drawing from something, mm-hmm. and and they make it perfectly clear. And just to watch that was just kind of beautiful. So yeah. I, I thought he they they casted that film perfectly. And that's that's one of those cool scenes because they, it, you know, it is it's played for laughs to some extent, but it's a it's a sort of deep story character driven moment when he's sitting on the couch and he's like, yeah. you know, where where we know that Hitchcock knows what he's talking about, but it's sort of feeding him this like I think you could draw on something from your life. You know, and it's almost like extending this, like, I know what you are, and I want you to use that in my movie. Yeah, it feels like the Ed Wood of its, its, not the Ed Wood of its time, but like, and it's a weird film, like, nobody really, I I don't know many people who know about Ed Wood beyond, like, maybe people like us, but, you know, like, that, that film is a great film about a filmmaker, and that, I feel like Hitchcock is in that same vein, 
but Helen Mirren's the one who's giving the Martin Landau performance in this film. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins is perfect in it. But, you know, I, I totally dug that. And I also saw, uh, for the first time, Eternal, Sun- Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. I hadn't seen it for five years. I'd had people shoving down my throat to go watch it. They were just like, you have to watch this movie. You have to watch this movie. If you're a filmmaker. You have to watch it. I'm like, no, I don't. I, I don't, I, I don't have to. to do. But I, I love Jim Carrey leading to what we're going to talk about later. I love Jim Carrey, especially in Man on the Moon and The Truman Show and yeah. even The Majestic. I'm a huge fan of The Majestic. Yeah, I love The Majestic. Um, Bruce Campbell shout out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I watched Eternal Sunshine and that film is just like it's a painful watch because it's so like it's 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 like that like you don't want to look at it because you realize that you're looking a lot of what life is in the face sometimes, but uh, that film was shot so perfectly and the practical illusions and effects were so incredible that I was just overwhelmed by yeah. like what Michelle Gondry did to make that film. Like it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's, 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 it's definitely pretty and interesting to look at for sure. Like that movie's impressive. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a while, but I yeah. remember it stuck with me for a while after I saw it, you know, yeah. just thinking about it and. It, it, it's a very like it's, it's a great like I, I love how it plays on that romantic the the romantic story like every whether it's romantic comedy romantic drama or whatnot you have that same kind of storyline or that same kind of like act structure of like this is when the guy gets the girl back or something like that right, but they yeah. played on it very well and Charlie Kaufman's very good about writing that perfectly like if you watch Being John Malkovich you realize how genius he is at writing relationships it's it's almost insane and Sinodochi New York is the 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 top tier example because he just he breaks down every door and you're just amazed that he's able to break down that door and yet somehow it makes sense yeah no, I was just going to say that movie, um, Eternal Sunshine, made me think Kristen Dunst was the hottest girl in the world. <laughs> oh, she broke my yeah. heart. And I, I, yeah, I love Kristen Dunst, but I never loved her that much until that movie. Yeah. And she is so, oh, uh, she broke my heart in that movie. I'm just like, oh, I feel, oh, I want to reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I got my style from Mark Ruffalo in that movie. <laughs> that was like super inspirational. Like, that dude's being Kristen Dunst in this. I'm going to be like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I have to, I have to look and exactly since like then. Him. Look at this. I yeah. have it. I yeah, have right. I have the yeah. Ruffalo going. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> I know why Jim Carrey's building weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> <laughs> He's got things to do. What else? Did you, did you watch anything else this week, Zeus? Um, I also watched uh, an incredible film by the name of Man on the Moon, which I had, hadn't watched in years. I geared up for our movie tonight. Yeah. And I love Man on the Moon because it, it hits Andy Kaufman so perfectly as a person. But Carrey's performance... I will say this out loud, how the fuck he didn't get a nomination for an Academy Award for that is beyond me because yeah. he really gets into it. Like, he really... It's that scene where he's with the prostitutes and he's jumping on the bed with the prostitutes and then he just goes, hey, you guys want to come and help me destroy a television show in Hollywood for $400? And they just turn to it for 500 and he just gives that childlike smile of like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get to have my wish come true. Watched yeah. that at the film school lobby together like a couple years ago. Remember that? Yeah, you know, we, we were sitting there. And we were. It was right before Maddie Voyage, and we we're sitting there and we we're just enjoying it. And I was just like, I can't believe that you have. The, I can't believe that I couldn't believe that you knew about that movie because I thought nobody knew about that movie. It, it was yeah. playing at the film school. Like if you go to the film school, sometimes they have a 
movies play in the lobby and it was way before now they have Netflix just rolling all the day long but you had to like there's a movie in there every day like from the DVD collection that would just play on repeat every time they play and, a Daniel Day-Lewis marathon in the lobby I get excited go like oh everybody get a milkshake let's get ready to go <laughs> class got out and I didn't have a car at the time uh, I was I just moved up to Denver to go to film school like didn't have like I was relying on my roommates and they're like we're gonna be super late I'm sorry but I was like it's cool it's cool so I sat down I was just started watching the movie and it was Man on the Moon and then Zeesman joined me and we just watched the whole thing in the film school and my roommate came in and we just sat down and just finished the whole thing because like he is awesome in that like hands yeah. down oh it's an incredible film yeah. Milos Forman is a great director and from one flew over the cuckoo's nest down to that it's just incredible forget about it it is it yes yeah, oh, so it's it's bizarre how it was it was God who was mocking me. <laughs> <laughs> It's bizarre how, and I think I think Adam Sandler honestly gets this too. Like when 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 actors, and especially like wacky comedic actors like that, switch over and do drama, I don't think they get any respect for it. Watch I mean, Rain Over Me, or I was funny ju- that I was just gonna say, like Rain Over Me, the fact that no one talks about that movie and how amazing he is in that movie. I saw uh, that in is, the theater with my uh, father because I wanted to see Adam Sandler do something serious. because yeah. I, I I was tired of watching uh, like like. Uh, he was doing all those comedies and whatnot. I was into them, but I was just yeah. like, I want to see this one. It's got Don Cheadle from Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven, and I'm like, thir- twelve or thirteen when we saw it, and yeah. it's a really fun film. And he gets into a very emotional place that yeah. I wasn't expecting out of him yeah. until I saw Funny People when he's mm-hmm. singing that song about how he's going to die. He's like, George, don't visit George Simmons' grave because he'll spit on all of you or something like that. Yeah. I thought that was the most hilarious and sad moment in in a film that year that I'd ever there seen. There's some like, I really cried. good moments of funny people, but I felt like he didn't hit it as strong as he could have. Like that It's not I mean it's not the strongest thing. It's like I a mean, really good writing, was... really good story. Like it went on a little too long. I don't think they should go in San Francisco, but the whole, the the arc of the movie is really cool, but I think he like there's some moments of Adam Sandler in that movie that are really really good, and then there's some I'm like, oh man, he didn't. P- punch he was, punch he was Love is his dream. Like yeah, Punch, punch Love, love is, awesome. is the, the top tier for him to me. Yeah, one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. Oh god, P.T. Anderson is a god. And if anybody <laughs> here, I haven't I haven't listened to I haven't listened to every episode. I'm still finishing. But if anybody here doesn't like The Master. James. Oh God, let's 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 get into it now. Yeah, <laughs> I bought the but, Blu-ray. Yeah, two days ago, and I already watched it once. Oh, oh I am love yeah. that movie. Um, what were you doing while you watched it? Like you, you didn't just waste that three hours, did you? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that okay. movie, I will fight. say this: that fight. movie is so fight. challenging fight. that you know, like it, it, I, I feel like it, it forces you to watch it again, mm-hmm. and that's what the beauty of that film is. If you're really into it, and if you're really into what you're seeing on that screen, you're going to watch it again, and that's what makes it so beautiful. But those performances are amazing. That story is very challenging, but the way they visually represent that story is amazing. Like they, it it leaves so much room for interpretation. Like I'm almost flabbergasted by it. Like I've watched that film five times and I still don't get everything that's going on in it. And I'm trying to study Joaquin's drunkness. I think he does a really good drunk, and I want to figure <laughs> you out. No, I'll figure out. All you have to do is watch that. the Blu-ray and watch the Let There Be Light documentary by John Houston. Um, that he did back in the 40s, but it got banned because the U.S. government didn't want that stuff going out. Hmm. You have to watch that, and you realize... It's on the Blu-ray? That, yeah, oh, and I'm you realize that that's, that's where a lot of Freddy's attitude when he's like in the when he's in the the hospital room, and he's going like, that looks like a pussy. It looks like another yeah. pussy. <laughs> uh, which is no, the best scene in the movie for I think me. It's an interesting movie if you think of it like, what's your take on do you, who Who is those two characters? Or who do you think they are? Do you have like? Because I I feel it. Like oh, they love each other. I'm a, I don't. No, I don't. Like I don't subscribe to that. The theory that they love each other. I, just, no. I think they're the same person. 
of like the two different forms of man. There's like the the completely brilliant man. Like there's people out there who are only attracted to the smarts and people like Amy Mann's character, for instance, she's attracted to the brilliance and someone. And I think there's a word for that. I just can't think of it right now. I've, I've seen it a lot lately, but like someone who's not in love with like someone's looks, but like you hear them talk and you're like, that person's smart. And that's what the attraction is too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that is Lancaster Dodd's character. And then the whole other, that's like the, the future of man and the past of man and the kind of primal man is Freddie. And he so, is like the primal, so this uh, is a long way of saying that you saw the master this week. No, no, no. I, saw, I saw it in theaters. I, I, I saw it in theaters with my old girlfriend one time, and I like went down to the actual theater. And or what was that? What was it at? The, that was down at the Esquire. Yeah. That was down. No, I, I knew you took her. I down definitely today. saw the Esquire. I had a good time. Like it's a, it's really really cool scene in the theater. But like, I saw like a whole bunch of film school kids when we just sat next to each other. But uh, I think he's like the primal man. And then also, if you notice the girl at the end when Freddie hooks up with her, I feel like. <laughs> Looks a lot like Philip like Seymour Hoffman. Looks Philip Seymour Hoffman, if you ask me. Like, maybe he was like, there's maybe a little bit of that theory of like, they're so alike and uh, they loved... Not she had chin maybe, hair, guys. I, I, I think what, all of what you're saying is really interesting. Watch I, it again and I, watch it from I the I really wish man. I liked any of those characters. That's all right. You don't have that's to. That's fine. No, you, that, that's totally... I, the beauty of that film is, is that it's really up to you. I like the pig fuck line. That's hilarious. It oh, gets yeah. me yeah. every time. Why, well, you have so many questions. Pig fuck! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I will say this though: the one thing it didn't have, there wasn't any talks about milkshakes in it. So no, I was disappointed on the lack of crazy cool one shots. And we it, had no Daniel Day like, Lewis in that movie. I was like, I was super pumped because I, I'm a, I'm a PT Anderson fan, and like especially yeah. my favorite film is Boogie Nights. Yeah, and uh, I, I love I'm Boogie try, Nights. My, my first feature I'm trying to write right now is kind of like a an esque of Boogie Nights, but with Denver art and Denver kind of like the art community. But like Boogie Nights is amazing. Like I wanted those one shots. Yeah. And, Oh yeah, yeah. And they didn't incredible. have the one shots in the master. I was kind of sad. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I want. I would love for him to get back to telling stories the way he used to. Oh, he's super like, good. Like at this point, I feel like it. It just feels like he's very. I don't want yeah, to say this in front of people who it, like say this it, movie. Say it, say it. I feel like he is very up his own ass. He is in right this now. one. I think like, he learned his lesson because people gave him shit for this one. Is Maybe there really a problem like, with that though? I guess yeah. I wonder. Is there really a big problem with that because there's. You've had like five other films that 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 are that that are probably more up your alley, but like I I feel like if he wants to do it, let him do it. He's already no, he already established himself with it. But I, I I guess I'm more quick to defend that film because I really appreciate what he was trying to do. Yeah, he also started a really long time ago, and he was writing it and writing it, and I feel yeah. Like, like yeah, he got to the point where he was just no fresh eyes on it, and kind of like really up his own yeah. ass, like you said. Oh yeah, we didn't show it to anybody and filmed it, and then realized. They didn't get anything to film because I think they filmed a lot more than they actually. Oh yeah, there's there's, there's like, how what, what is it? There's like another forty minutes or something like that that's deleted out of the movie, yeah, right? Which like, I really want to see. Like I want to see that complete story. I but totally like, understand where he like you you film a bunch of stuff and you're in the moment and you're filming a bunch of stuff because everything feels right. And then when you get in this editing bay, you're like, well, let's see what the story's yeah. at actually. And then if we keep if we have time for finding stuff to play it in, but they hit three hours, we're like, we got to cut so much stuff out. <laughs> right? Yeah, but absolutely. Like, it is like uh, there's a lot of really cool moments in there that I I've drawn to at the time and through experiences I've seen I think like that I uh, connected to cool just a lot of stuff I think it's kind of neat perspective yeah. but uh, as I'm editing right now I haven't been able to see a lot of movies but uh, I'm taking a film theory class right now for my BFA in writing directing we watched American Beauty this week in class oh yeah and I remember my first day of film school I got a lot of shit because I never saw American Beauty like four years ago so I went out and bought it like that night and watched it. 
and I, I love the film. And then he called kind of, me up right that night and went, Zach, what do you think? This no, is a beauty. No, dude, that was way before I knew. This was like my first year. No, this was first year film school. No, you called me about Boogie Nights. Sorry about that. You called me about Boogie Nights. I did call you about Boogie Nights. He let me borrow Boogie Nights the first time. Like a true friend. He's like, oh my god, you gotta watch this. If you have Boogie Nights, give it to a friend that hasn't seen it right now. Yeah, do it. Um, but uh, be like me, guys. America, <laughs> it was like the first time I ever saw like that kind of. I was used to watching like Judd Apatow, Forty Year Old Virgins, and like that yeah. got in film school because I liked Hot Rod and I wanted to make funny comedies. That was the first time I ever saw like a film that like was really deeper than I was expecting to yeah. get into, and I, that was a good experience. And it was really cool seeing it four years later uh, after going through all film school, and then it was like a reflection right. of my first year almost. It was it was really neat. Like the kind of times came up, and it was just like. Oh wow! This is and it was a symbolism almost for that whole film school career, American Beauty. Like I couldn't believe how timely that film came out. Like for me watching for, it, yeah, for you yeah. to see it. Right? Do you have a, a class where you just film plastic bags floating around? Oh. I wish though. It's documentary class. I didn't take that one. I that's took art that's direction that's instead. that's our third year like uh, senior pep rally at <laughs> film school. Is we all have to film a plastic bag and try to create a metaphor. Don't you know the well, the, that, the tagline for his film? It's the boy who stares. At bags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been saving that for two hours. Dude, the that's bag, been like the bag two weeks. Voiced by Kevin Spacey yeah. and Werner Herzog, and they're all <laughs> they're all in a big little bubble together, and they all love each other. I, I I I like American Beauty, but Forrest Gump does the floating metaphor way better. Oh yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, never mind. Sounds That's like better. you were better against some American Beauty. Well, like deepness. No, I don't know. I, I'm not I, a huge fan of Forrest Gump, but I, watch I, I, mean, I would agree with that. The feather I, is much more impactful. I will also go that uh, American Beauty. The first time I saw it, was like, like I said, four years ago when I first started film school, never smoked pot before I saw that movie, and then I was like, <laughs> you know, it's working for uh, working for Kevin Spacey. It's going to work for me. <laughs> it's been true love ever since. <laughs> I was just going to give you a tagline for your fake. Uh, the man, the boy who stares the at boy bags, stares. but uh, never mind. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, 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 hear it. I want to no, hear no, it now, yeah. Brad. <laughs> it's it's going to be get, get bagged, but yeah. Get bagged. <laughs> oh. The other tagline is what the boy who stares at whatever you did last night. That's a, yeah. <laughs> but I saw uh, the master. Then I've been catching up in community because uh, yeah. I, I watched the first two episodes and that one, that little scene where Britta jumps out of the bed and goes outside. I got so mad at that, and I just stopped watching it for a while. But then why? I caught why? up because I was like, "That doesn't." I, I wasn't ready it, for that kind of. It doesn't. That's too silly for yeah, community. Like, yep. what is she doing? Which is it's the wrong kind of silly. Because yeah, the there's wrong, a lot of silly true. in community. It's a weird kind of silly. It didn't hit the tone of yeah. community that I love. But then yeah. it community won me back with the do the right thing joke, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm in." And yeah. I like when they're like, uh, "Oh yeah," when, well, because the thing the thing you have to realize is. That yes, Dan Harmon is gone, but the writers are still there, yeah, and yeah. those actors are the same actors. So yeah. like, they're still hitting a lot of the notes and doing a lot of the same stuff. But like, I I'm the same way. Like, I it pulls me in both directions because like the la- I didn't see this week's episode, but I saw last week's, and when it ended, I felt like, oh no, they're killing it. Like, I love it. So like bad the la- last week's episode, I was just like, this is not. This is so totally not my show. Yeah, they're, they're messing um, the tone so bad because Hart like yeah. Hartman's like quirkiness is not there and that's what was yeah. golden to it i think i think what it is is that they're 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 creating a sitcom that doesn't need to be a sitcom yeah. like it's yeah. not it's not a sitcom well, it, it's, it, it's 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 arrested development i love it it's it's technically a sitcom Kim Burns it's not episode. a sitcom yeah. it's it's yeah. it's a Kim series so it's a it's a it's a dramedy yeah. like it's based around a serious situation but it's heightened to the extreme 
And I feel like community, they're trying to make it more like happy endings or whatever right. it is that these showrunners worked on prior. And I don't feel that it's working that way. I like well, but that. but I will say that I haven't I haven't been detracted from watching it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, I no, love I'm, it still. Like it's still yeah, fun. It is still good, but it's for me that show is a a a satire of what um of what sitcoms are mm -hmm. like they they are poking fun at and challenging what a sitcom yeah. is the whole it's time. It's a bottle episode. And especially is like right yeah, in the face, right. like fuck you, sitcom. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially especially like the pilot is clearly Dan Harmon saying like they want me to do this. I'm gonna do it wrong. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna totally just shove the same bullshit at you, and you're gonna like it, but it's not gonna be right. And then when they have a whole series, he had to pull that out into a whole series and it's it's brilliant yeah. um and then getting somebody who just wants to make a sitcom on there feels completely broken like right. it 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 feels like you're taking that that thing and then flipping it on its head and it's it looks the same but you you don't realize like oh this is completely the opposite of what it was right um but i i, I still like it but anyway you're I like changniza i think that's a good twist but yeah where's Chang the is good where's the what's the oliver character the the drunk teacher i miss him he was really cool Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and he's a yeah. He's probably busy. Yeah, he's um, got some stuff to do. Yeah. Then uh, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but since you guys talked about video games, Psychonauts was on sale on the PS. Oh shit! Yeah. And I downloaded that and played the hell out of it all night long. That's a good it's, one. Very nice. It's an amazing game. Yeah. It's one of those games that slipped under the radar. Oh man, I'm so oh, yeah. sad. And I yeah. worked at GameStop, and I was like at, through high school. Like I've had jobs my whole life that. Like Z-Spin, like my first like 16 to 18 years, I worked at GameStop, and then I worked at a movie theater for a long time. And then when I moved to call over here to Denver, I worked at a food place because I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like when I was working at GameStop, I like I saw Psychonauts, and I was like, I really need this. But my little sister ended up buying it, and she's like, This is the greatest game. Why have you not played this one? And then I saw it on sale and downloaded it, and just like I'm almost done with it. It's it's yeah. so cool. And That's then great. Uh, do you guys have do you play PS3 or is it yeah. Xbox? Did PS3. you get the Dust Beta? No. Uh, there's no. a beta out right now for PS3. If you heard of Dustin Elysium Tale, uh, Eve Online. Are you familiar with Eve Online? Oh, like, that one. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. one that's like the space uh, communism or not space capitalism, it's, space capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they like the online game is all about buying and trading planets and goods, but they started a PlayStation game where it's a first-person shooter, a lot like Halo, and you can uh, be bought by those people, and you're like making uh, experience points, but you're not on there. It's like a, it's like. PlayStation Home mixed with like a first-person shooter. Like you walk around your room, you get set up, and you build your character out, yeah. and then uh, it's free. And then you go online, you just battle people, and you earn money in that game. But you can also get money to buy. Say you have really f you buy the fancy ass gun, uh, but you only have f only fifty drop suits available. That gun. And once you hit fifty, you can't get that gun anymore. So you got to go buy it again. And uh, they give it free, but you can get like a big package with a bunch of money to like make your dude super hardcore invincible and just go through and just own it the game for like nine bucks and nice. then like keep buying your stuff but it's a uh, it's part of that that whole eve online thing so you're connected like you can like my buddy jeff who's a cinematographer who shot synergy he's now uh in like he's going to school to be a history teacher now but like he plays that eve online and like i'm part of his thing and he can like send his ships like he put it on his computer notice that i'm on my playstation and send a ground attack from a ship to help my crew out and just take out all these uh that's awesome. But it's like the sweetest game, and it's free. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, I got a first-person shoot for free, and it's not even that bad. Cool. Yeah. So I play the hell out of that one, and I'm addicted to FIFA Street. But, cool. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I'm like Spencer. I fall asleep through a lot of movies. Even though <laughs> like, my dad does. Like my, uh, There's a story in my family where my 
parents were like on their first date and my dad fell asleep during the movie and he was like when did you when did you shave his beard my mom's like that's a different character like, <laughs> it was like, so like how, when we're watching movies at home like from when i was a little kid to like now they're always like when you shave his beard like this is the joke like, i was like, always ripping on my dad like when you shave his beard but i got his bad genes of falling asleep through movies like even though yeah. a filmmaker else i can't like if i see a movie past nine no even as he's been like unless it's really good i'm out like a light so i fell asleep through crap ton of criterion collection it took me like four nights to get through trash humpers this week <laughs> he can uh-huh. be a pussy sometimes, but we try to get him out there. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't imagine why you, it would be so hard for you to get through trash humpers. Oh, no, dude, trash humpers is nuts. What is trash humpers? Uh, so my like, <laughs> it was my last day of film th- uh, film history class, and the teacher left his. He was showing us a clip of trash humpers, which is a Harmony Korine film. You're familiar with Harmony Korine? He was like a, he was 16 years old. He helped Larry Clark write Kids. And he's like the guy who plays like the the E kid in uh in kids like the guy who's like super high on ecstasy. Yeah, he just uh, released Spring Breakers. Is it out now? Yeah. Oh, oh shit! That looks like the, like that's gonna be my favorite movie of the year once I see it. <laughs> what the fuck? It was looks uh, so I, good. There was Gucci Man's in it. How can it be bad? There was a party for it at the film center when I went to what see the ABC's fuck? The Death. Yeah. It's over. At, it's playing I, now. I don't. I don't know if it. It might have been just like a one night thing, but it might be coming back for like a full run. Oh so. man, I need. I, I need to see. We talked that about movie. this recently because I can't believe it's a real movie. Oh, it's gonna be so like, good. No, I don't know that for sure, but I. <laughs> watch the trailers and i'm like this is a movie this is this is simply like girls in bikinis with guns disney girls right and i i yeah i i can't believe it's real like every time i because when we never talked about it on the show because there was really never news and so i brought it up once because i was like you've seen this right like this is i'm not dreaming this no this is a real thing even though it is dreamlike yeah not, it's it's for everybody it's very weird but he uh, he created. He's I think he's a really good storyteller. Like as, uh, when he was sixteen, he was kids, and if if you go like my favorite thing is the David Letterman's. He was on David Letterman when he was sixteen when he made Kids, and he was on David Letterman when he was like twenty twenty one when he was making a uh, Gummo. I'm not sure if you've seen Gummo at all. That's, oh, I know Gummo. That's a that's an awesome film. It's it's a little weird, but it's really really good. And uh, both times he's like tweaked out. Like hey yeah, David Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> he is like just watch the. The Harmony Corinne on Letterman interviews, there's two of them, and he is, I'm not sure what he's on or if he's just socially awkward, he's just crazy. but he is the weirdest individual to watch, but he's very smart, like Gummo's good, and then he's, uh, he did the Spring Breakers, and I'm not sure, uh, if you've seen uh, Julian Donkey Boy, Werner Herzog's in it, and it's one of like, the first American uh, dogma films, and it's like, completely, it's registered as dogma. And uh, Vernon Herzog plays this dad of a kid who's schizophrenic, and like, and is also in his family has a kid who wants to be a wrestler. And there's like this really dramatic scene where, Vern, I guess Vernon like found a hose and started hosing down the kid because he wants to be a wrestler, like a like a hardcore Olympic wrestler. And Vernon's like, "Real men don't like don't shiver, don't shiver." And I was like, just hosing this kid down. I guess the kid got real sick, but it was like so dogma. Like Vernon Herzog thought he was this kid's abusive father for like months, and like. It's an incredible film. Julian Donkey Boy is what it's called, and it's it's like I think it's the first American made by American director dogma film. Huh. Julian Donkey Boy, but it's like it's nutty, and it's like like the dogma rules. You got to find the props on set. So I think they yeah. found like found the hose and they found everything on set. And like I always want to make a dogma film, but I feel like it's you have to write the script to be dogma, and then you can't give credit to yourself as a director in a dogma film. Really. Yeah, like the director's not supposed to take credit. Like it, it can't be on the DVD for like selling purposes, but like I guess in the, the titles, yeah. you can't give yourself credit if you're the director. Like the director, huh. it's supposed to be like the purest form, like only natural light. Uh, you can't give yourself credit. 
you can uh, only props that use can be found on set. Like I think the first one was like uh, the celebration. Wait, you talking about one? Cinema Verite? No, a uh, Dogma. Is that the same thing? I'm not sure. It might it's be because like that's what I thought. That Lars von Trier, uh, helped, but there was uh, another guy with it who too. What was his name? Lars von Trier and a couple other different people uh, from Denmark and a couple different other areas. But uh, yeah. They helped kind of like push to push forward this type of filmmaking that was more centered around what you have around you, um, and you know I'm not the biggest Lars Van Trier fan, but I will say that he is very inventive with those dogma movies back in the mid '90s. That they're very influential on what we do. Uh, what anybody, what any modern film student does is is kind of around that kind of area. Hmm. So yeah, I'm, cool. I'm trying to figure out the the name of the, yeah, the movie's called The Celebration. And it's by Vitberg, who did it with uh, Thomas Vitberg. He's the director who also did the. I think he made the first one with Lars von Trier, but it's all about like onsetness, like the, being like it's like super in the moment filmmaking. And I was trying to find the rules of like the dogma thing because it's, it's really specific. You can't do a lot of things. Like it's supposed to bind you to like the filmmaking core, like just the purest form of the art form. But I just it's just so. So strange of what it is, yeah. huh? Yeah, when I when I was uh, taking my class, like we called it Cinema Verite, and you were in it. It's my shots video, where it's just you playing pool, and I couldn't direct you, which is why I can't take a directing credit. Like I could just film you, and uh, it also had to be in real time. Like you couldn't edit like him shooting, you know, the eight ball into the beginning of the video. It all it all had to be in sequence and stuff. So um, maybe yeah. Dogma is like another version it's, of that. Or? It's uh, it is, it, yeah. For the most part, you're kind of. It feels like you're on that same track, where it's just like you have to work with things around you. So it's kind of. It's a manifesto. Those two guys wrote that says like we are we do and it, yeah it is a manifesto, and it basically just it's like a vow of chastity. They say of filmmaking like this is the purest yeah. purest purest form we can get, and like uh, the goals and rules is like one filming must be done on location, props and sets must not be brought in. If a particular prop is necessary for the story, a location must be chosen where the prop can be found, right. and then like. Hmm. There's like you have to like sound must be never uh, be produced apart from the images on like so you have to shoot sync sound on the dot like you can't go in and like J cut L cut you just have to sync that like you can cut that but you have to shoot the whole thing sync sound. That's a little bit harder for what we do nowadays because we we have to try to tell like you know we're working with bigger budgets and whatnot so we have to create the coverage and whatnot but you know like when we're starting out that's pretty much all you have so then you kind of create it out there. And the camera has to be handheld. Uh, the film has to be in color. There's no, you can't use filters. You can't use ND filters if it's too sunny. You can't use anything to kind of like enhance the camera work because it's like supposed to make you think about just pure story. And like if the story's good enough, they feel like if the story's good enough, you won't be distracted by these gimmicks that other filmmakers use tonight. Like, cause we were watching Bert and I just like after effects, like some stuff was amazing in there, but I could tell like, yeah. Oh, they just ran that through a thing. They didn't even render it that well. Like, but there was like, it was beautiful. Cause I was, I was distracted by how good the story was yeah. and how I was like, I was into the characters, but as a filmmaker, I, I look for those things naturally. And like, I was like, Oh, I know how to do that. Like just kind of be like, I know how to do <laughs> yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. You're just like, I don't fucking, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> the film uh, must not contain any, superficial action you can't have any murders you can't like murder someone on set so like, the story can't be like cheesy like murder or uh you can't have weapons and then um so everything that ryan really loved about evil dead is out the door yeah yeah there's no evil dead in that <laughs> yeah the typographical and geographical elements like if it's whatever season it is 
it, you got you can't fake it. You have to like if it's winter and you're shooting inside, you gotta be like it's winter outside almost. Or like I, I'm not sure how that rule applies, but like you can't leave. You can't try to fake anything right in the, in the environment. And then uh, there's no such thing as a genre movie. It's just dogma. You made it as right. a dogma film. Uh, and the film format must be an Academy 35 millimeter, and the director must not be credited. And those are like the two last ones. It's like by the way, you gotta have money to make this. Boom. Yeah. You get out of the way. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, Harmon Crane yeah. shot one, and it's that that Julian Donkey Boy, but Spring Breakers is like complete opposite, probably with a bunch of fake guns and like. Oh yeah, he's been he's done a lot of like uh, I think Trash Humpers. Back to that one is like uh, this VHS film he shot uh, with two VHSs. It was kind of based off of someone I guess who lived in his neighborhood, who was like these weird people. I like I was trying to read up on it to get more, but like cause I didn't know what the hell was going on. But it kind of documents this weird cult of people who get off by humping trash and just doing harmful things to the environment around them and uh it's not harmful to hump trash it's yeah then they wear these weird old people masks and it's very eerie and they like get into some like i don't want to describe some things that go on but like it gets pretty like it's hard to watch and i think it's also a uh harmony corinne's view on this digital era like the the idea of like anyone can go out and shoot a movie in uh, on this digital stuff and get it made and yeah. like this guy did and it's on VHS and it's rough and he's like you can do this back in the day with VHS you guys shouldn't be freaking out about this and this yeah. is the worst that could happen someone can release a film like this <laughs> and he's almost like made that's his comment on the digital era I feel is yeah. trash humpers because it was 2010 or 2011 I think it was 2010 it came out or 2011 but that's like right in the peak of people's uh, right. I think social when it, came out when everybody was when everybody was running around going like you can make a movie on your iPhone like yeah yeah like there was like saying. the ideas of the rigs on the iPhone with little right that going yeah like, making oh, shooting geez. the whole thing on the iPhone I'm yeah. like well hope you have like a thousand gig iPhone because that's just gonna fill up fast and like yeah hope you don't have Temple Run versions one and two and and, <laughs> and the Brave version on the phone they have more than one version I've only got the one dude they they just released a new one of Temple Run yeah no doubt and, yeah it's. <laughs> I guess we'll so it's just like I haven't played it. it. I'm out. I gotta go play some Temple Run. Right. I couldn't. I probably would have finished more than that Snow White and the Huntsman if I had some Temple Run. You <laughs> distract you like you did yeah. with the Master. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be playing Temple Run while I watch the Master again. No, I won't. Dude, million point club man. Our teacher gave Temple Run as a proverbial, uh, kind of like a an idea for what a film is. Like, uh, so you're chasing after nothing for the longest time, and uh, you're trying to wrestle this this film this edit to the ground and you're just going after things collecting as much as you can and at some point you finally end it and that's where you start your next film and you kind by of by jumping off a cliff and or some getting films eaten are by sh- monkeys <laughs> some films you work longer than on the others but like you're chasing after this yeah these, this yeah. like nothing like oh that worked okay oh this worked okay and then like then finally you end and you that's like editing your film um well i i guess on that note i wanted to ask though um, what's been in the news lately, guys? <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of ending things, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, dogma endings and all that stuff. Uh, before I, I that, we know. have to pay some bills, so here are some words from our sponsors. Hey, uh, Jimmy Valentine, that was a really great game-winning score you had there at the sporting event. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. You can look for that card really soon at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. They got tons of sports memorabilia. Jimmy Valentine, RKO Radio News. Jimmy. What makes Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics your favorite comic store in the Colorado area? I'm telling you, forget about it. A comic collector like me, I can save 20% on a hold slot. Duh. 
Plus, it's hard for me. I'm on the road all the time. If I want the amazing Spider-Man and I'm not around, it's in my hold slot. Jimmy Valentine, what do you have to say about your recent allegations about steroid use? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question, but I am going to tell you that if I want to get Magic the Gathering cards, I go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. <laughs> the little square Jimmy Jr., he loves those. So go to 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Nevada, Colorado. They'll take really good care of you. Hold on, Jimmy. One, J- more, Jimmy, question. one more question. Wait, Jimmy. no, no, don't go yet. For barbecue that can't be beat, try Birdman Barbecue Sauce. Available and original and spicy. These robust, full-flavor sauces have the awesome power to kick your taste buds in their face. And for that smoking taste on everything you eat, try a new Birdman Smoking Rub. Caution! Meat left unrubbed may suffer from flavor performance anxiety. You can pick up Birdman Barbecue at local area Ace Hardware stores, Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, and the Danny Cash Hot Shop off-Broadway. You can also like us on Facebook at Birdman BBQ. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> All right. Is it time for real news now, Ryan? <laughs> Almost. Uh, first, we're going to dive into some box office numbers, guys. Oh, my God. Gator, tell us all about it. <laughs> this is the box office stats. Ah, it's a great and powerful. No surprise. $79 million at the box wow, office. Yeah. Yeah. I am actually surprised. Big that I'm, su- made that I'm much surprised or? it was that in its much. first it's weekend. It's good though yeah. because that means Raimi will get to do something else now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. he's not banned from Hollywood now. Uh, no, he well, he wasn't be. gonna be. I mean, I, 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 as I, as much as people don't like Spider-Man three, like I like those Sp- movie make those movies make a lot of money. And I don't that's hate the Spider-Man line. three, but I don't love it either. Yeah. But Drag Me to Hell. Which was like the rebirth of Sam Raimi for me. I love yeah. that goat who's just like, "You're gonna die, bitch!" Yeah. <laughs> just like this is okay. so uh, But I mean, and he made that money on the sly, and it still did okay. Yeah. So, oh like, yeah. Oh, that movie. Like the ending of that movie is so like. It's good. Awesome. It's so satisfying for me because it's like, fucking a, you spit in the gypsy's face, she's gonna come and kick your ass. <laughs> well, that, well, Sam Raimi's so great too that you know he. There's a great article where he was really deflated. During Spider-Man Three, because it's not the movie he wanted to make. No, yeah, because he, he wanted to. He didn't want to use Venom. He wanted he, to use Sandman solely. Yeah, well, he wanted well, Sandman before and that the Vulture, Vulture. Yeah, yeah. Vulture. plus uh, the new Goblin, because he had this great um, third act where it'd be all aerial right. battles, and, and it didn't come through. And it did come through. And he was, and he he said he's the thing he didn't like about doing those big movies is when he made Evil Dead or even Drag Me to Hell. He says, "Man, I need to move this table," so he would just move it. But when you're on a big movie like that, you have to have some foreman come in and move it. it, it yeah. Yeah. It's, it's union. Exactly. It's, union. it's all based around union. Yeah. So he says that was good. Then they went and did Oz, and I'm sure it was the they same They did way. that great in my uh, my week with Marilyn where he, he, the kid's about to move a chair, and he's just like, yeah. you can't move that chair. Why? Because that's where I live it. That's my life. And I'm just yeah. like, that's so hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. So but another, no, I respect the unions. What's yeah. they do? <laughs> yeah. So another big hit for Sam Raimi. Yeah. The man. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Are already talking sequels, of course. Yep. That he's not going to do. Yeah, he's not going to do. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's not going to do sequels. They're going to remake Wizard of Oz. Shannon, Sh- Shannon Woodlore, the girl from The Descendants, is going to play Dorothy. Shailene Woodley. I Mary want Jane. her to be in everything. Yes, I love the photos of her as Mary Jane. I love that girl. She is. Yeah. Uh, she might be my. She might be my screen crush right now. She's just so. <laughs> She's so beautiful. She's so charming and everything. I'm like glad that. you said that. A lot she's of people like are pissed because they said she's not hot enough to be Mary oh, Jane. Oh, screw them. Right? <laughs> screw right? them all. Totally. <laughs> Spencer and I were just talking about Olivia Wilde all night. We're like, oh, oh we were like making noise. Like, oh. <laughs> Shannon Woodler. Woodlarly. I, I, I wish I could pronounce her name properly. <laughs> 
straight up, I had a, I have a giant crush on Olivia Wilde. I, every time I would be dude, like, dude, if you're a dude, you love, have a crush on. I'm in love. I think everybody, I think everybody in, in film world has a crush on Olivia Wilde. She's, she's so beautiful and charming. I wish she was cast as April O'Neil and not Megan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> that's give, give, oh give man, her, that's give good. Give her a chance. If you watched, um, uh, what was it? How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. That sold me on Megan Fox as an actress. That and Jennifer's body. I'm just like, oh, she could do things. It's just I think she has bad directors sometimes. Yep, Megan's body. <laughs> Megan's. Body. I thought Jennifer's body was cool, man. <laughs> I saw This is 40, and she was funny in it. Yeah, yeah she's good. Speaking of This is 40s, what's that next? Was it? Blu-ray releases. Yeah. Hot damn. I should have bought that one instead of Master, right? Yeah. Let's go uh, back to my roots well, and Well, no, that's a little unfair. DVD releases the Blu-rays. The Hobbit is the big one this week. It is. Yes. Um, obviously, there's like seven different versions of The Hobbit. Do I get um, my H- uh, HFR rate? <laughs> uh, the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray with the DVD, the Blu-ray with the yeah. digital copy and DVD, or the digital copy Blu-ray DVD, or the DVD Blu-ray digital copy. That yeah. is ex- yeah, very nicely done. That's exactly true. <laughs> and it's only um, that. And that, finally, Les Miserables oh this, this comes yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. worst movie. <laughs> so here's what you do. You here's didn't you cry do. when Anne Hathaway was when Anne no. Hathaway was pouring no. her heart out. <laughs> no, but I what, saw that clip and I was just like, <laughs> she's, she's what you do is what you do is you get your friends together, you put that movie in the DVD player, and then you hold like you have your friends act out the play, and then hold the camera like hold the TV over their heads. And then that's like actually seeing mm-hmm. a good version of the movie yeah. where you can see whole characters and movement and action. Like a mystery theater night. It'd be great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm excited to see it, but like I, I'm a huge musical fan, but I, I don't know. Me too. Like, I, I guess yeah, me I, too. I guess it's just like it, I wasn't a huge fan of Les Miserables to begin with, so no, I was like extremely compelled. But uh, it's what is horrible about that movie is not Les Miserables. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What is horrible, uh, and I I like King's Speech. Tom Hooper. Fucks that movie up. Oh, uh, I'll still go see it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I, loved, I yeah, I I, you Damn should check United. it out. I'm a huge fan of the Damn United, which is a film that he did prior to the King's Speech. So I'm, I'm in for that guy all the way. Yeah. I want to see him. Like, I, I guess he got tapped to do something really big recently. I can't remember what it was, but they yeah, just there's something. I, I can't remember. Like, something like that. I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty comes out this week. So if you, if, which that's quick after the wide release. I mean, we only reviewed that movie like two months ago. I have problems um, with that film, but I, I, it is a good film. But like, I, I feel like Jessica Chastain does nothing to inspire emotion out of me. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, yeah. I, I had the same problem. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't care about those people. I, I, I Both have ice she's hearts. She's then. a really good actress. I think she is. I, I'm not a huge fan of Mark Bull as a screenwriter beyond the Hurt Locker, but that, I mean, that film is really well written. I just, I, it wasn't what I wanted. Like, yeah. I guess it wasn't what I was expecting. Hurt Locker Two, Osama Boogaloo. Yeah. I'll say this though is that the last thirty minutes of that movie are incredible looking. All yeah, they are just incredible looking. Uh, this is forty, as we mentioned, comes out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's all the big stuff. I didn't scroll down to see if there's a shark movie or you know Sasquatch's Wild Weekend, but no, 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 no. <laughs> Sasquatch's Wild Weekend is out. Man, why haven't we bought that movie yet? Because I don't want to spend oh, sixteen bucks on it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's more than sixteen. It was like twenty two, wasn't yeah, it? It, it, was, it was something stupid. <laughs> like, That's way too much money for Sasquatch's Wild Weekend. Sequels when like just the kid and <laughs> Harry no. are at home, like, dude, let's throw a house party, Harry. No, like, it's fucking do it. It's exactly <laughs> that, but then, but then Harry starts dude, killing. Harry's got to buy the keg for the kid, and he's like, "Do you have an idea on you?" He's like, "I'm covered in hair." Like, I would, <laughs> oh my god, I would see that movie. I want to see. I want to see that. That sounds legitimately like an awesome film. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'll even, play yeah. the Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Spencer King. If anybody here Mexican plays the Sasquatch. Sasquatch. 
Look at <laughs> Or uh, another idea is two friends invite Sasquatch over and then Sasquatch dies and then they have to oh. keep Sasquatch oh. the appearance that he's alive the whole weekend. Yeah, that oh. might work too. And then there's the, have you seen the one where Sasquatch dies and his family's there and then it finds out like a gay midget was having relations with Sasquatch? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah, and then and then the little boy who's a friend was who was a friend of Sasquatch. He ends up really high on the roof, just wandering around oh, on exactly. the roof. <laughs> yeah, man, I I, 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 I love that movie. We all know the forty-year-old virgin Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sad one, but I love it. Oh. When you fucked that tree hole, it made me sad. <laughs> anyway, that DVD releases. What's cool. next? Real news, dude. Oh, that's right. It's real news. Man, I These forgot about that. I was about to start talking like comics for you guys. Um, so we'll burn through the the little shit first. Uh, Evil Dead Four. They are now saying Army of Darkness Two, yep. which doesn't sound like a big deal, but kind of is. No, it is because they're the guys who made Evil Dead that's coming out in April. Right, are making Evil Dead Two. Sam right. Raimi is going to make Army of Darkness 2, so it's going to be two separate franchises that Ooh. they're going to do because, you know, they're way different tonally. Yeah, um, I'm going to like one of those more. It's like Brian Singer's approach to the X-Men where he can come in wherever he wants. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And all of those are completely devoid of Glenn Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. No, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, that <dude> <laughs> Listen, all right. I like music. Okay. Billy, Billy Campbell's going to show up. Um, oh, Campbell talks make me damn hungry. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Army of Darkness has got to have Bruce Campbell. Oh, dude. It Otherwise, to. it's not Army of Darkness. No, it's so Ash's Army they, of Darkness. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't understand why that hasn't happened sooner anyway, because Bruce Campbell is way more famous now than he was, you know, even five years ago, like Burn Notice has made that guy a, a, but, 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 but he's a household like, name. I feel like uh, this is unfortunate. I love Bruce Campbell, but I feel like he's. He was talking about like that kick-ass thing you were talking about. I was like, I think it's like an internet phenomenon. Like I don't know. No. I, I talk to very few people when I see out meet outside of movies that they're really into him. But I, I wish that I would meet more fans. My like my mom and my mom and dad know Bruce know and love Bruce Campbell. Yeah, and I they've seen Army of Darkness because I showed it to them and they said that's some silliness and don't give a shit about it. I'm really, but they love Burn Notice. Like, I'm really glad. I wish I met people like like your parents. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, Army of can, Darkness yeah. is my favorite movie of all time. So, yeah. um, I'm all up for more. So we got a trailer for Kick-Ass 2 this week, and I only want to talk about it because I want to say how fucking much I don't want that movie to be what it is. Oh, why? I, I, I will say this. Jim, I, I will say this. I don't know about the rest of the film, but Jim Carrey is doing the same thing that Nick Cage did in the first yes. one where he's mm-hmm. making an acting choice. He's making a very clear acting choice. And I don't know. I, I haven't read Kick-Ass 2, the Mark Miller version, so I have uh, no idea what to expect. I don't know if they're going to try to draw too much off of it. Yep. But Jim Carrey in that trailer – like surprised me. Like he I, really surprised me with his characterization. I, I totally, I totally agree with you. He's yeah. making a very clear choice, and I want to see what that choice is going to be. Because right now, as a comic book fan, I can't pick up on it. With Nick Cage in the first one, it was Adam West. He was doing right. Adam mm-hmm. West clearly. I love the first Kickass. Oh, yeah, he's great. I do, too. I do too. But he's like switch to Kryptonite. <laughs> the uh, so here's the thing. I agree with you totally. Like I, I think that's the and that's the best character in Kickass Two. I stopped reading Kickass Two though because it's fucking shit. And that that movie is clearly them sticking to what Mark Miller wrote. And the best things about Kickass One, I think, 
are places where they they changed it. There are things about Kick-Ass One that they changed that I hate, specifically what's in the briefcase. But right. um, but that is a that's, that's a different a thing. Detail in the, in, it, in it's the it's one of those things that world. yeah yeah like it's, for me it metaphorically means so much more what's in the comic book. Um, but but still like you know anyway I like the first movie I hate the book for two so much and and the fact that they're sticking to it because he just goes. He goes insane, and he he steps away from the cool idea of like, what if a kid really did this, and how much would he just get beat up and have all his bones get broken, and girls would still not like him, um, and that is what makes Kickass great. And then Kickass Two is like, what if there's some crazy Russian chick who dresses slutty, and you're like, this is not, and she's a villain. Like that's not that's not what made this book great. Um, so it it makes me disappointed. Okay. You did you? Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, we'll skip that thing too. So, something potentially huge happened this week. Um, that my dick was filmed. No. <laughs> 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 We've been waiting for this for years, I'm gentlemen. Like, I'm waiting for the <laughs> setup. I finally got it. <laughs> potentially huge. Potentially. The, Laura, did you hear that? Uh, <laughs> She's laughing in the corner. You can find it at, at the Vine app. for. <laughs> <laughs> it's six seconds of gold. Totally. The, um, Sometimes, though, we have to extend it out to 12 seconds for Ryan. <laughs> thank you. It's just part one and part two, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the extended so, cut. Ah. Um, so... Veronica Mars decided, like, they, they've decided they're going to kickstart a Veronica Mars movie, which they've, yeah. been, they've been kicking around the ideas for doing a movie for a long time. Mm. Um, and you know, Rob Thomas was always, Rob Thomas, uh, yeah, no, Rob yeah, Thomas. It is, yeah, Rob Thomas. The, it is the same, yeah. Because um, everybody here, everybody <laughs> just like they do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so I, uh, so they, they, they finally, like, they got everybody on board, and they're like, okay, we're going to do a Kickstarter. They asked for $2 million, and they got it in 12 hours. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. They're, That's what we need to do. Hold on. Goddamn. Hold on, hold on, hold we on. Did, but, it, Maddie, it keeps, Maddie, we didn't make Veronica Mars. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And it keeps, it keeps going, because they are now at $3.4 million, and there are 27 days left to go. If we um, if we so, donate one million, do you think we could be in the movie, guys? The <laughs> only people, the only people. Oh, it's less than a million. It's it's somewhere around a thousand dollars or uh, no, ten thousand dollars. I think you get to be in the movie. Jeez, um, they take a check. I would love to be in Veronica Mars. <laughs> uh, I'd like to be the one guy who's just like in the background, not really knowing what Veronica Mars is. <laughs> I think because the next Sweet Sixteens by MTV are going to be like eight Veronica actually, Mars TV show episodes. <laughs> like my dad got me in Veronica Mars for it. You paid ten thousand dollars to get me in this movie. <laughs> Ten thousand dollars, actually. Yeah. Why isn't you, my trailer big enough, Daddy? You get a speaking role at ten thousand dollars. There was one, and it's gone. Oh, um, so what's interesting about this is that, and, and of course, they have immediately gone and talked to all of the guys who made, uh, like Brian Fuller, who made Pushing Daisies, and the, and um, what's better, his name? Who, oh, they uh, if uh. Dave used to work on Pushing Daisies, and he did a couple of really great episodes in season two. And that show was so impactful growing up. I was just like, I yeah. want that show to come that show back was great. in some form. It's uh, a great sh- story. Sean Levy, who created Terriers, which was one of my favorite canceled shows of the last few years. Of course, they've talked to all these guys because they're like, what does this mean? And the, I, potentially what it means is that you know, eight years ago or whenever it was that, that Firefly got canceled, you could immediately go to fans and say, hey – Let's not let this die. It all comes uh, back and it, to that moment where Troy was just like, uh, "We're gonna commit. We're gonna fake Troy's suicide or Abed's suicide to look like a 
protest for uh, the cancellation oh, yeah. of Firefly. We're going to get that show back on the air for you, buddy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so this is what it's come it, to. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it means it's that... It's Abed's dream come true. <laughs> it, it gives audiences agency in a way that I don't think we've ever had because it, it, it actually allows... For, for filmmakers who have made something that's good that, for whatever reason, doesn't fit into uh, what Hollywood or whatever or the studios expect for it to be, it, it allows audiences to go like, no, this was special and good, and I loved this, and I'm going to make sure that this keeps going. Um, it, it gives us one more way to actually vote for what's good because nobody's nobody's actually paying attention to what I watch. I don't have one of those ratings boxes in my house. So... I, I think this is I think this is potentially huge and could uh, I, this was this was going to happen. Everybody knew when Kickstarter happened like this something like this was going to happen. But this this ten years from now we might still be talking about this. Well, before Red State, Kevin Smith was like he wanted to do the same thing. He was right. talking on Smack with Scott Scott Mosier yeah. and saying like, what if we just got all the fans who really want you know my movie to get made, ask them yeah. for a buck? Like I have two million Twitter fans. That's all I need. Yeah. And then some asshole was like, you know tweeted him like oh kevin's just begging for people to help him make his movie and right. they felt like a you know and i really hope that he gets to i hope with the first thing that i heard of with veronica mars the first thing i thought was this has to mean that clerks three is on our way now because he's, oh it is he's gonna see that and i know it's been on the way like i know i heard the podcast that he did with smodcast with uh ralph garman and Mosier. And I, I I love that like oh this is this means we're so close because I grew up loving Clerks the mythology of it so much that I want to see that film happen yeah. so bad like I'll give I'll find a way to donate money to that like oh, that's he, a worthy cause to he, me he recently tweeted like him actually beginning the script uh, um, yeah, yeah so he, he showed the first like, page. yeah the first page with I mean yeah, the first page is the title page but so we're just like oh god yeah and he happening. wants to he wants to like self finance it he doesn't want to reach right. out um. But he's like they found a way to do it with their own money. Yeah. So there's that. But I mean, two years ago when they were just kicking it around, like they could have beat Veronica Mars to the punch. But it's just like it was naysayers, you know, the Hollywood mentality of like, no, we make the movies, you know. Yeah. It yeah. seems like Audiences even in can't. the internet, his fan base is it has its limitations or something. But I'd like to think that would have been the one that broke the mold. Like, yeah. I wish yeah. I wish that would have been the case. Oh with yeah. Red State and stuff like that. I, I, I think what's kind of cool about this is that this has been this sort of pipe dream that people have talked about for years in, in much in the way that like Serenity was and a Serenity 2 would be where people all thought like, wouldn't it be cool? And no one really believed it would ever happen. You know, we, we would see the news every now and then. And I, I got to the point where I would see the news and I would go, ha, that's funny. And then I wouldn't even read the article because I didn't care. I was like, there's no reason for me to waste time on this. This movie will not happen. Um, and finally, they were like, "No, we 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 have the time, and and there are people out there who have the money." Um, and what's cool is like that there is now a hundred or one point four million dollars more than they thought they needed that they can just put into that movie being even better. Like they, if 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 you are a fan of the show, even if you don't have any money to to, to help, like you should go watch the Kickstarter video because they get a bunch of the actors and stuff together, and it's really funny and well made, um, and it pokes fun at the show in in, in great ways. Um, but they even joke in there like, you know, any money above that two million, that's all of our like car chase and nudity fund. Like you, <laughs> the more we get, the better this movie's gonna be. Um, I I think this is potentially huge, um, as 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 with everything that happens awesome on kickstarter it next week everyone will have their movie on kickstarter and it'll get flooded and then you like you'll be like okay some movies it'll work and some it won't but uh this i think could be huge agreed 
Anyway, that's news. Well, you also forgot the dude who directed Safety Not Guaranteed is directing Jurassic Park 4. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and that I I'm in full support of. Me too. Safety Not Guaranteed was it was the most non-cynical film I've seen I saw last year and I loved it. Like it, it made me feel so happy walking out. And I and I feel like if he handled sci-fi that well on like an emotional quirky level, like it, it, I want to see it. imagine what we give him with that canvas. But oh yeah, and and plus you know I'm glad they're giving it to somebody as unique as him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's a very unique choice, and I'm glad that they're reaching out like that to that community. Like uh, there's a guy who's a, he's a director. He did a film called Supporting Characters. His name is Dan Schechter. He's a wonderful filmmaker. Uh, I had the pleasure to meet him at Stars, but he did a film recently. I guess they. He was tapped to do uh, something like with Elmore Leonard, and I thought that that was just a great like choice to like mm-hmm. get him something like that on board. So, I, I think it's interesting because like I love Joe Johnson, I really do. Um, but picking him for a Jurassic Park three was clearly like a well, your bestie is with Steven Spielberg, and you can you can sort of mimic Steven Spielberg to some extent, and I think that's why he's on that movie. Again, I say that I I love Joe Johnson, I do. Um, so I, I I do think it's interesting that they're gonna go a little bit di- di- of a different way. Um, Mark Duplass was actually on the Kevin um, Kevin Pollock's chat show this week, mm. and on there he was talking about making that movie because Mark Duplass obviously is in it, but he's a producer as well. And he said that what what's sort of interesting that's happened to him is he's become somebody that they will uh, they'll kind of want him to be in a movie or want him to pr- help produce a movie because he's also director and so when they when when somebody like that guy is directing a movie he can sort of be the the second man and go in and be like okay i know why you're thinking what you're doing but what if we also did it this way and so he's sort of also kind of the second director on that movie um or at least the the big brother to kind of teach that guy like even when he's acting like just just because he is on set and because he's a producer on that movie like they, the part of the reason why he is so involved and was so involved in that movie was because they wanted him to sort of like kind of be that guy's big brother and show him like, okay, these are the kind of things that, you know, I have learned from making movies and, you know, uh, making movies clunkily sometimes and f- having to figure out this, figuring this stuff out on my own. Like these are th- wisdoms that I can impart on you. And so I think, um, uh, yeah, a Jurassic Park movie from that guy might be really cool. Um, I hope he doesn't cast Audrey Plaza. <laughs> and if she does give that girl some Prozac, I feel real bad for her. Oh, she's so I, hope I think she's way happy. Sam Neill. She's so sad. Oh, yeah, totally. That Dr. dude Alan rocks. So I don't sad. know, man. I don't know if I want Sam Neill back. Oh, you about what? Of course do he I, did. You I don't. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know if I want any of those characters back. Well, the Jeff world Goldblum. needs is Goldblum, sweet, Goldblum. sweet Goldblum. <laughs> really? I, 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 you know, I might be, I might be ready for just like, tell me, yeah. tell me a different story. Yeah. Give me, like, give me, give me, introduce me. Introduce me, dude. I love Ted and Eric's billion-dollar movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> hear about what's going on with the studios now? Trying to like, Bert, like we saw Burt Warner's one today. They released it yesterday at ten o'clock. Uh, so, right, studios are trying to release their early releases like Wednesdays at seven now. Yeah, because they're just trying to boost ticket sales. Like, and I think they're trying to get away from midnight screenings. Well, and they did that. They did that. It's not profitable. It's not dead, but it's yeah. It's it's profitable, but I think they can get more money right. if they start at seven for an early re- oh, yeah. like ten. Like it's it's smarter and it's also a little safer. But like, it's just, man, uh, why not give us a movie earlier? I'm yeah, happy about that. Uh, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Uh, I no no Transformers: Fall of the Legend. Whatever the second <laughs> one's called. Um, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> Revenge of the Fallen. 
was I one where I'm not a fan. I just yeah, that yeah. It was the biggest two and a half hour waste of my life. Uh, yeah, I uh, like that movie. Um, no. So no, I'm just, I just <laughs> me too. <laughs> the uh, so the that movie was supposed to release on a Friday, and then the next Friday was Harry Potter. So they pushed it forward, to, or maybe two Fridays later was Harry Potter. They pushed it forward to Wednesday, and then did early evening releases on thir- Tuesday. So I saw that movie. Yeah, I saw that movie at seven o'clock on a Tuesday, and it was supposed to release on Friday. Like that. Mm. That that shit is crazy now. Yeah. Um, so this Wednesday, seven o'clock for their new like early release. Yeah. You guys ready? Create yeah. buzz. <laughs> yeah. Means we can get done with our fucking gym PE class at three o'clock and head over and camp out until <laughs> seven. Totally. <laughs> See the new Star Wars. This is gonna come out like at ten o'clock on a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> like at that time with the inflation of early movie times, and I think speaking of Jurassic Park, dude, being the the dude, he wasn't as groomed as much as I think uh, they, uh, Hollywood Foster. tried to groom J.J. Uh, Abrams to be the Star Wars dude. Like, I think, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh, they kind of just were like, well, no one liked Jurassic Park 3. Let's, we'll get back to that yeah. dude because he got a good ah. – he sold some tickets. Well, I think we can trust this guy. <laughs> yeah. But, like, they groomed J.J. Abrams. The Illuminati is like, who's going to make the next Star Wars? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They spent the hours <laughs> burning names and hats until they yeah. finally came out with J.J. Abrams. Like, okay, let's start today. And that was like 17 years ago. Let's give and him Star Trek. And meanwhile, Tom yeah, Hanks exactly. is looking for clues let's, as to what Maddie's talking about. We'll give him all let's, the let's Star things. Let's give him Star Trek first because that's been shit on enough that nobody will notice if he fucks it up. But if he gets it <laughs> right, man. We can give him Star Wars. I didn't know J.J. Abrams, uh, like the, the way he uses uh, light flares until yeah. I watched Super 8. And I was like, well, this is a little excessive. Oh, yeah. dude. Right. You should I, fire oh, your all, editor. Lens flare the movie, man. Yeah, no, awesome. there's, a, there's a whole thing on uh, on Silver Star Fruit. Wars about it where he, I mean, he literally has a guy with a flashlight standing in front of the camera go, meh. Just, I, just, it has to be. No, no, he does. On Star Trek, he was like going. Yeah, on Star Trek, on Star Trek he has a guy who's shining a light into the camera just out of, just out of frame. To get that for that was probably some really anal retentive DPUs. Like yeah. it's not right. Shake your hand a second faster. Yeah. Like some oh no no, crazy I, German JJ Abrams <laughs> can't have anal DPs because like when he needs when he needs stuff, he just hits the side of the camera and stuff like that. He's, oh man, yeah, he's uh, he's but very hands on. I thought that was really cool though because it it made you because space is pretty bright. I'm sure right. I worked yeah. for that movie, but it did I, not yeah, I work like for Super Eight. He oh, only it's did not it a couple that times. Yeah, it's not that big. In Super I do like the story, Super Eight, so I wasn't like you, too you, worried. You did about it that just part. enough that you knew that he was directing. Right, it's yeah, like, yeah. this is my favorite thing to do, you guys. But it happens and it pops you out, and you go, "Oh, right, I'm in, I'm in a JJ Abrams exactly. movie." Exactly. Scorsese which is a problem. Prime, you know, Kubrick does like cool zero point perspective. JJ Abrams shows a flashlight in the camera. No, oh, that's Everyone, unfair. That's everyone's so got unfair. their shtick. I make Spencer a Mexican. That's not true. He also keeps a lot of secrets. Yeah, he's good at that too. Um, yes. Which we also Dave, Damon Lindelof came out about that and told talked about like why they're doing that and I think it's fascinating because uh, he he basically said like the 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 characters in the movie don't know who this villain is why should you like the, as a that's a totally paraphrased but like you know I, I he Damon, he wants I love Damon Lindelof and I respect him but I want to ask this one question why does that explain Prometheus. Wow! Ah, so. no, 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 <laughs> let's not have that fight. Let's not have that fight. You're about anyway. Seventy-eight podcasts Let's, too late, Zeus. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. Uh, um, I listened to the back episodes for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are we now? We need to not talk about the comic book you read this week. We do. So, um, Cora gave us the boys, and you read it last week, and mm-hmm. didn't care much for it. Um, and I read it this week, and I see what you were saying. Uh, first of all, I'm I, I like. 
I, I really love Preacher, which is the Garth Ennis book that made him really famous, and I I sort of think also made him think that being wild and crazy is what makes him famous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he has really taken on to that, um, and that's a big part of who he is as a writer now, I believe. Um, and this book, I'm, I'm really interested in The Boys, and I think I will keep reading it uh, beyond this, because I think the idea of it is so cool. I think so, too. Like, what they are trying to do is great. The problem is the the Garth Ennisness of it is what I hate. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 they're just trying to be like gross mm-hmm. and trying to be offensive. Part of it is is what I think is very distracting. Um, I, I think he also just gets off on the wrong foot. Uh, the ho- the whole idea of like like he he doesn't just ease you into the story like he just dumps exposition on you mm-hmm. and it introduces these characters in really clunky ways um and that it, it makes it tough to read yeah. you know like preacher no, doesn't agree. preacher doesn't do that at all like preacher it's just a guy who walks out of the desert and then story starts happening and that is very interesting but here he's got so much stuff to tell you to set all this stuff up so that he can start being like gross and showing you crazy stuff um, that it gets in its own way, you know, yeah. and the and the characters say fucking cunt and all this stuff, and and use dialogue in horrible ways, and I or dialect I should say in horrible ways, and that I think is annoying. Yeah, I think the art was really distracting too. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing: I don't think the line art is bad. I think the digital painting is what's bad. I, 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 think, I think the, the fact I think their that bodies were uneven a lot of times. Sometimes, sometimes I can forgive that. Like in 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 indie, you know, it's for dynamite. It's it's an indie artist. Like he's not going to be the best all every single frame. You know, I can't expect everybody to be, um, you know, George's jaunty. Is it computer um, or hand drawn these days? Like, what what was that like? It's gonna be it's process. I know it's gonna be hand, programs for that now too. Yeah, it's gonna be hand drawn, but then it, it's gonna be it, it is clearly yeah yeah it's well yeah it's gonna be scanned in the computer and then it's clearly painted in the computer okay. and that's and and so it it looks very airbrushed. So they colored um, it afterwards. It was all yeah. Done. yeah yeah yeah. So the yeah the coloring is done in the computer and it it looks oh, airbrushed see. because of it. Yeah, I it, think too. I, I mean, it doesn't look as bad as like Hack Slash. Like sometimes Hack Slash Man <laughs> looks like see, some kind of weird internet, like just garbage fan art. I think um, too. It's uh, it might be my problem too because my favorite artists are obviously John Romita and like Sal Basuma. So yeah. they're really clean. Yeah. And so that really, I don't know, that art like that really annoys me. Yeah. I'll say this: it's the boys is way more interesting than the Rocketeer Hollywood horror, which I could not even finish the first issue of. Really, I'm going to because I have good. to. No, 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 Do no, they no, stare? no, no. The the last one they said was good. The yeah. the one that I didn't like, which was Cargo of Doom, Hollywood horror. The the iFanboy review of Hollywood horror is uh, just horrible. Like, IGN it's gave mean. it like a nine point three. IGN doesn't know what they're talking about, dude. It's nine point three is better than nine point two. So oh good. <laughs> I haven't checked IGN That's very since true. they put Xbox in front of PlayStation. I, on the on the cross media bar, and I'm like, right? you know what? You you just betrayed me, IGN. I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna go to some other thing for now on. Right? The uh, at least it's slash fun because fuck IGN. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah I I I love the Rocketeer, and I want somebody to treat that book right. Um, they chose completely the wrong artist. Who it, it's all like cartoony. Um, yeah, that guy who it, does that art is a big uh, Paul Dini artist. Cool. And he's he, he here's did, the thing. Uh, it's great art. It's great art for any other book. Yeah, he did the uh, that um, I can't remember. It's a mutant Texas book. Oh yeah, he's the same. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not very well written in the story they're telling me. That's the worst part of it. Like I don't give a shit about what they're telling me. And and the 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 worst part is that 
It's narrated by a character that Secord runs into on the first page and then has seemingly no impact on the rest of the story. And the, the, the narrator like has these funny little quips and stuff like that. Like I'm supposed to give a shit about this narrator. It, it completely doesn't understand what's cool about the rocketeer. It's not cool. Like the frosty um, snowman one. Yeah, yeah, that's all. And so that's what I'm saying. The Boys is better than that. So if you have heard us talk about The Boys and you think it's cool, you should go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics and pick it up there where you can get it like 20% off. Isn't that cool? Yes. And those Um, boys, those boys stare. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, actually, some of the boys do stare. There's a girl, too. I don't think, I think they just look hard. Uh, sweet ass yeah. comics that is yeah yeah staring at all the selectual delectable batman issues and all the selectual 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so this week we went and saw the incredible burt wonderstone now at this point of the podcast boys we asked people if they should go see the incredible burt wonderstone should people go see the incredible Hi, this is Spencer Kane, and yes, <laughs> Rick, you, could, you should see Burt Wonderstone. That movie was awesome. I love that movie. You have yeah. all the wonderful energy of Gene Shalit in, <laughs> in his prime. <laughs> hey, now? guys, <laughs> come and see Burt Wonderstone. It's a magical time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. I'll be happy Gilmore if you don't. Boogie loose or whatever. I don't know. That was a funny critic joke. <laughs> Zach, should people see Burt? Um... I think that, you know, that film is is very, like, indicative of this kind of, like, these films, like, these Jim Carrey films that we grew up with earlier on, they're just wacky, and they're wacky without, you know, with any purpose or reason or rhyme. They're just wacky for the sake of being wacky. But I loved Steve Carell's performance in that film just playing an utter asshole. That was, like, I did not expect that from any trailer. So, yes, I would say... Go to see Jim. Go for Jim Carrey and Alan Arkin. Stay for Steve Carell's performance. It is yeah. absolutely, to borrow a phrase from "How did this get made?" Bananas. Like it mm-hmm. is a funny performance that you don't expect out of Steve Carell. I never expect him to play an asshole, and he did it so well. And cool. I like the fact that Jim Carrey dressed up like Zach Wild. You guys know who Zach Wild is from Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he looks just like him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool. Hundred percent. I, uh, I'm a stickler for movies, but this was a good time. I legitimately <laughs> had fun. I was also raised on Jim Carrey, and like I think the, what was the last one? I didn't see Mr. Popper's Penguins. Like, I was like, no one did. Like, I checked. I checked out a Thirty Rock before he was on there. Like, I know yeah. he had a little little appearance on there. I, I haven't seen that yet, but like the first time I saw him since like for a long time. I knew he was in. Yeah. I knew he was in Leap Year as a little small part. Oh, too, you didn't. You didn't see Yes Man. I saw Yes Man. That was the last time oh, I saw him, and I, right, I, I liked that one. That was, that was a, cool. I liked but that. this one was. In Yes Man, he was like still a leading man, but yeah. he wasn't as goofy. Yeah, like he wasn't yeah. the Jim Carrey that I loved growing yeah. up on. Like, it, the, it seemed like they didn't give enough room for him to like to do things. In but other I feel like the writing was so like, dude, what you're doing in the screen it, it, or in this scene is so crazy that you don't even need to do anything. You just yeah. just do what's in the scene. It's already ridiculous enough. You it's, just be yeah. cool. Classic Jim Carrey, really good. And Steve Carell, I think he did a good job. And I'll, Steve Buscemi did a great job. Yes, Olivia Wilde's hot as hell. And like, I don't know. I It was structurally sound. Like I was going over Save the Cat this morning. If, if you've read, if you're a screenwriter, the book Save the Cat by Blake Schneider, he wrote uh, Blank Check. And he has this little formula for how a feature film should be broken down. And uh, is like... The editing and like the way they paced that movie, I thought it was I thought it was really clever, and I just like there was a little funny After Effects gags that I saw in there. Like I, I'm a stickler for 
uh, on-screen magic because I'm a magician myself. Dude, on-screen magic. That was so and much I was like, fun. I hate, I hate on-screen magic. Like, I don't like the prestige, but like this was like, I was like, oh, yeah. This is like, <laughs> I don't care because they're using it as a joke. They're not using it as like, oh, look how cool we are with our special effects. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know how much I paid for that trick? Like, But this one was like, they put a puppy in Steve Crow's pants. It's great. <laughs> great, great, great film. Yeah. I, I when that uh, bird came you? out of the, the salt glass. Oh, yeah. He's like, Yo, yeah. Like, I debone that. <laughs> so <bird> good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I totally agree. And it's funny because earlier this week I was thinking about, um, I feel like anymore all of the like comedies that are straight up comedies that we get are all these sort of raunchy as my mom would call them dude humor comedies like the hangover and, yeah like and and yeah. i like i like those movies i do but I, there was a there is there is room somewhere for a pg-13 comedy um and was that so, something it was and it it, it, something like it. that like yeah, yeah there, right you know? yeah there's yeah like they 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 are very careful with what they do um and it's still really funny and it's it's genuinely funny without having to do any of that stuff. Um so yeah, I absolutely think that people should go uh, see it. I agree. Brad, uh, I I had fun at this movie. Brad, should people see it? Uh yeah, it's, it's the most fun I've had in a movie this year so far. Oh people man, should absolutely it's see high, it. It's high concept comedy that works. And when it works well, it it, it I mean, I I looked like I, I've stopped looking at Rotten Tomatoes because it yeah. ruins movies for me. I went to go see uh Die Hard based off of Rotten Tomatoes, I was like, well, how bad can this movie really be? Well, then I found out. But, you know, I, I've learned that sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. So when I went into this one, I looked at it, it said 47%. I walked out of that movie, and I didn't understand where that 47% well, I, I think, was coming I from. I think yeah. the movie was a little misunderstood by people because there's little moments in the movie that, I mean, we were all laughing at, but no one else in the theater was laughing at. Yeah. We were all laughing yeah. way yeah. before yeah. everyone yeah. else was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <There's some quality. laughs> that poster is truly misrepresented. I mean, we can do spoilers, right? Spoilers. Yeah. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Actually, we haven't done the trailer want, yet. So. I don't want people to spoil this one, though. This one's good. Like, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've talked about it now and told and people to go see it. Trailer. We're gonna do the trailer, and then after that, we can just we can just chat about what we liked and what we didn't like, and that way, people who have seen the movie, they right, can so they can be like, oh yeah, I'll, that too. I'll just say this though: it's a dark comedy. For yeah. What it is, it, that film was mismarketed to me the same way *Inglorious Bastards* was, which was a man on a mission movie, and it turned out to be a movie really about a a girl who really loved, uh, who wanted to blow up a cinema and blow up Nazis in it. Like yeah. that's what that movie is about. It just happens to have a man on a mission yeah. group. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. Real quick, trailer. Trailer. Listen to me, Bert. Nobody likes you. Nobody will ever like you. Welcome to the amazing world of magic. Wow. <laughs> Everyone loves a magician, and they'll love you too. Do you want to be my partner? More than anything. Wonderstone. And I'm Anton Marvelson. But of course, you already knew that. Your ticket sales suck. <laughs> what? Steve Gregg, they're calling him the future of magic. This guy's a magician. He doesn't even have a costume. I'm sure you've seen people walk on red hot coals, but I doubt you've seen anyone spend the night on red hot coals. You need to do something fresh. So this is where old entertainers go to die. Mm-hmm. And some not so old. 
May I see that for a minute? Watch this. What have you done? I'm a magician. Should have explained that to you earlier. You're Rance Holloway. I had your magic kit as a kid. I'll give you your money back. What you're feeling right now, that's why you became a magician. How did you do that? It's partially deboned. What you do is not magic. It's natural for a dying leaf to be frightened by the autumn wind. Your skin makes me cry. We need some sort of grand illusion. You and Bert Wonderstone plan to stay in the box an entire week? It's only been 20 minutes. This is the best trick ever. For 12 days, he's held his What is going through your mind? I really have to pee, Richard. It's time for my final disappearing act. He has gone to a better place. Goodbye, Rance. He's under the bed. I know. I love the the character beats that Steve Carell had in it that were not in the trailer. His where he'd go. Uh, His crying was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was so oh. funny. And even when he was a kid, he did that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When the, when he does it as a kid, we don't know what to make of it. Like like I don't What's know if he's do? peeing his pants or. Just like, are we supposed to be laughing at this? Yeah. I, <laughs> Yeah. Like, what know. was that? I don't want to disappoint Ryan because I don't want to be like I don't want to be a nerd in front of him. So I'm just like. <laughs> what, was that, what was that one scene? I forget what it was about. He was sitting in the chair and he's like looking it up. Oh, it, it was his uh, financial guy, yeah. and oh, he delivers yeah. this one line that's. Like, I don't have any money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he says something like because like, it's just. Yeah, it's like this really big serious scene where Brad Garrett's playing his financial advisor. He says, we spent $75,000 on sheets. And, you know, he says, I don't have any money. And it doesn't make, <laughs> his delivery doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But for some yeah. reason, it just works in the movie. And oh. I, I, I'm a big fan of, like, the hotshot movies and Airplane and stuff like that. And I think a lot of times movies like that don't exist anymore. And where yeah. this movie, I think, had it where... These magicians are like in their own world, and everybody yes. else is. He literally. Else is I, yeah. I, li- I like the character flaw of him being stuck in the hotel for such a long time and only be knowing to do what stuff happens. In <laughs> yeah, our- he's like, oh, oh yeah. get those. He puts the plates outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think they cut a lot out that they they probably filmed a lot showing that he was stuck in a hotel. Like, yeah, they probably have a lot of lead scenes on that. But like, yeah, I felt like, like we, I think they get it, and like we totally got it that he was living in a bubble when they said that. Like, yeah. oh yeah, he totally right. was. He was living in the Bellagio for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it it does take these weird turns uh, that you, I mean, you're right. They didn't sell the movie right because right away at the beginning, you know, where they're in their cool abracadabra moment, yeah. and it comes off. He's like, "You're fired. Uh, you be the new uh, Nicole," and they dress that girl and put her out there because he doesn't care. And <laughs> that was a great yeah. twist. That I, I I'm mad when uh, trailers give away their stories and give away like their their best jokes. And yeah, Burt Wonderson definitely saved. They they had a smart mar- smart marketing campaign oh, on their yeah. part by yeah. not maybe as smart as they c- could have reached an audience because I think it it would be enjoyed by a lot of audiences but like right they did a good thing by not they they just, they just sort of sell it as like hey this is Jim Carrey and Burt and uh, yeah and Steve, Steve Carell being funny come see and that well, and they, you don't realize like how much they are leaving out of that trailer well there's yeah. even like, the part you know, where Steve they fall Buscemi. out of the hot box and you know <laughs> Steve Buscemi's both his ankles are broken and he broke his yeah. his ribs he's like. <laughs> And he's like, "You'll be okay. We don't know that yet." We don't know that yet. <laughs> that's the, and that's the writer. And, and that's, yeah. that's John Francis Daly, yeah, from Freaks yeah. and Geeks. And he's yeah. just like, "We don't know yet." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I broke two ankles. You're so selfish." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
just, just moments like that. And, you know, we haven't even touched on how, like, great Jim Carrey is because one of the things I love about Jim Carrey, as you mentioned, is you miss him being goofy. Yeah. Because, you know, is, yeah, and being physical and, uh, I don't know, because he's, he's obviously playing Chris Angel. Yeah. But and and in, in a way where like I about halfway through the movie I felt like suddenly I don't give a shit about magic but halfway through the movie I was like you know he's right Chris Angel's a shitty magician like <laughs> this is garbage come on like I for some reason I suddenly felt like I was in on the inside of magic where I understood like how people really felt about magic and and the movie is not concerned with being some in depth look at that but still oh, no, like they they do a good job at that it's taking as much pot shots as possible what I. I found funny was that it, it, does anybody remember the Deadpool with Cl- the it was the sixth it was the fifth Dirty Harry film, but Jim Carrey's in it and he plays a rock and roll star. That's yeah. what this performance reminded me of is if they mm. gave that character his entire own subplot, <laughs> and that that was so brilliant to me because he w- one of the elements of the show is, is that uh, this char- Chris Angel character his name is Steve Gray and he has this show called Mind Rape. Yeah, no, <laughs> Mind Rape. 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 Rapist. And, 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 just Rain the, rapist and the hashtag was rapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the hashtag was just no, rapist. So to me, the effect of that show name doesn't come in until Jim Carrey says the word brain rape. I'm like, wow, this is not the Jim Carrey I grew up with. He's saying the word brain rape. Yeah. <laughs> how great like, was this is, uh, this? Is where my childhood dies. How great was the delivery by uh, who was his name who plays Tony Soprano? James Oh yeah, when he's introducing like the big magic show at the end, and he's like. Uh, about to introduce the Jim Carrey character. Prepare to have your brains raped, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know they even play at the end of it. They you know they always say a magician never reveals his secrets, and they they reveal how they do their big magic oh, trick God, at the that, end. It's that last shot of the movie, <laughs> and it's to, to spoilers alert to everybody. Yeah. Who's seen the who's listening because because it, it's the funniest thing in the movie. Yeah. So they're they're showing how they do this disappearing audience trick, and it's it's a great trick. It's basically they they drug the entire audience to get them out of the auditorium, and they show them dragging them by <laughs> their limbs, dragging yeah. them like their heads are bumping into shit. <laughs> yeah. And the last shot, and I saw this, and I love this. It's just Chinese man waking up, going, huh? And then it's just Steve Carell closing a truck door. <laughs> <laughs> like that's so dark. What, yeah. How did you get away with that in a PG thirteen movie? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that it's just uh, an it Asian was, man. It was. <laughs> it was. It was like every single shot of that. Just the way that the guys would pick up a person or throw up. a person around was so like, like just treating them like sandbags. It was just hilarious. Like it's like they've been doing it every night on the job. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Where they're just like, eh. You know, it doesn't really matter. If I just drag this guy by his pant leg, he'll make it all the way. And I, these pants are sturdy. And they were carrying two or three bodies at once. They were yeah. like, oh, just get him. He's in the way. Yeah. And the next time I sleep with a chick, I'm going to give her an autographed 8 by 10 of me. Yeah, where she's <laughs> where she's photoshopped into the green screen you have built your closet. <laughs> yeah. oh. And that's such a... And it's and it's such a it's such a slow burn because like yeah. you the, he does that whole thing where he's got this green room and he he takes these pictures of her and is like pretend like you're you know hugging a, a hugging a giant pumpkin. pumpkin and you're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and then you see the picture and you're like oh that's kind of brilliant and you know like the you know the airplane gags I was talking about you know they're going up to. Well, you don't find out. There's a great reveal where he says, she's like, oh, I love your place. He's like, this isn't my place. Or this is my place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And Julia Jacobs is so brilliant because she's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so no, she's great. She's blonde so well. Yeah. Like, she's a genius in yeah. everything she does. And I think the writing was clean, too, because there was plants and payoffs. Like, they would plant the, yeah, exactly. that thing at the midpoint. Like, the midpoint was him having the realization that his friend was better off and he did not feel like that same Freaking compassion for him yet yeah. yeah cambodia giving away magic to kids and the kids they're oh, trying so to eat you, the magic yeah. box so you oh so you brought them food and clean water no I, i'm no, a magician i brought the magic I, that's not that's not my thing i do magic yeah i do yeah it's like, great. great line in the diner and they're just like yeah it turns out that they didn't want magic they just want food and water <laughs> yeah food and clean water. but there's things that oh are, that poor them poor them there's things that are planted in the very beginning that are paid off at the end like the whole Conflict being refined is, I thought, I thought it was yeah. very, very clean. They, yeah. they probably did a lot of drafts, and I, like, I was, I was thoroughly impressed. Like, it's been a long time since I saw a comedy that I was like, you know, I, I, I can see this again. Yeah. You know, oh a, yeah, for a, sure. What, what there's was a, the last thing you saw prior to that, like, like, a, like literally, like a hot rod or knocked up back like, in high school. <laughs> yeah. That's the last a, time I was that entertained. Like, that's a, how I had that feeling. There's a great, uh, like, throwaway gag too, where we all laughed really hard is when Jim Carrey goes to the the bar with all of them. And he's leaving, and all of a sudden he just like floats, he floats away. away. Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> I, you know, you're you're right. I've, like, I'm sorry. That was the funniest was thing the in the movie. Funniest part, though, and then the dude barfing. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like it was, that was right. clean too. Well, and because like like that's what I kept expecting. Like when he first when Jim Carrey was starting his shtick, because the whole Chris Angel thing is like, look, he floats in public. Like I how crazy about the floating. That so, was hands so down yeah, the funniest like part. that moment where he just he just lifts up about two inches. Rotates and like, bu- like just bubbles out of the room, and it was hilarious. yeah. They totally had him on a dolly was... track, and they're pulling him. He was, like, oh, yeah. his oh yeah, oh yeah, it was no, no, beautiful, no. so good. Yeah, they he could have been on roller skates. Just the Mitch, the medium shot of him. They cut to another angle <laughs> yeah. of another guy, and they just show him going. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And that is all. That is that, all of this without us saying anything about Alan Arkin. Yeah, and Alan Arkin, oh, who wow. is Lord, oh, just Jesus, already gets Alan Arkin boner going. Oh man, I'm sorry, I'm grabbing the mic from because I fucking love Alan Arkin. And he's like, he's great in I've this. I've been obsessed with Alan Arkin recently because of Argo. Because mm-hmm. I'm thoroughly yeah. convinced that the only way that any man at the age of 60 can walk into a room confidently is if they have a turtleneck and a dress sh- a dress suit specifically <laughs> catered to what Alan Arkin wore in Argo. Because yeah. if yeah. you because that's the only way you can walk confidently and say the word space bitch and ha- and not get yeah. out of the room. <laughs> Keep that oh, fucking man. space switch away from me. <laughs> Oh man, he's so good, and like everything from when he first shows up on the VHS tape. Which, by the oh, way, super man, cool. their version so of the cool. '80s Plant is maybe off. Am I right? It planted yeah. it. The I first thing you've seen, like, pay it off. Wait, no, because the VHS player, like their version of the exactly. '80s, is better than most like period pieces. Like they're the way they set up. Just the first time I saw a shot, and you could see like there was this wood railing, and they were it was unpainted wood, and I was like, this looks like Roseanne. <laughs> like, like it really. <laughs> Kid Steve Buscemi might be the coolest looking kid I've ever seen in my life. Yes. That, that huge like, nose. Like, like went from his forehead casting. to his chin. I, like, I want to work with that kid. I want to make yeah. a movie about that kid. Like those kids, yeah. like it's hard to get a performance out of children and they, they got some great yeah, kids they were at good. the beginning. They were really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, you, you know, as an actor, I was noticing that straight away. I'm like, dude, I tried acting as a kid and I didn't get it. I didn't. I was like, what? 
you know, but now as solid. an older person, you know, as a full grown ass man, now I'm like, oh, I like, understand it. Yeah. <laughs> I, what's that? Oh, Unfor- I'm making pretend. I understand. I got it. Yeah. Exactly. You just Unfor- pretend who it is. And then- Unforgiven's a good movie, but I hate Clint Eastwood's kids in that movie. I'm like, those are oh, the yeah. worst kid actors. <laughs> I, I I would take away that Oscar because the kids sucked that bad. Like, <laughs> this movie was. The, every every bit of acting yeah. was good. Like even yeah. side roles, like the, Olivia mm-hmm. Wilde, like that was all so good. Yeah. Well, and like Alan Arkin on that on that VHS tape, you know, where he's where he's doing like, but every time the VHS tape is in the movie, and he's like, you know, doing magic and talking about magic, and he's got that funny little painted on mustache. The oh, he's great. Thin mustache. Yeah. yeah. John Waters kind of looks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Vincent Price had some oh, shit like yeah, that. Dude. Oh man. It was like it was a so it good. was like a magic western when they introduced <laughs> that character. I was like, oh yes, he has to be. Yes. That has to be the same guy. Please let it be the same guy. And it <laughs> yeah. was, and I was just so satisfied on the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, then the fact that that uh, Olivia Wilde's character was like, oh yeah, my grandpa, grandpa also. Looks and they planted like, the no bracelet. Like, my grandson yes, took yo, that. Yes. I totally didn't. And see I was that like, and, comes back really nice. and she came there, and I was like, what's she doing there? Oh, I know what she's doing. There. That bitch is her grandma. And like, I knew That's it right away. She showed up. I was like, oh, sons of bitch. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was great. That was really good. Oh man, Alan, when Alan Arkin right dies too, ugh, well, <laughs> man. Well, dies. dies in quotes, but like that long, like him choking thing, uh, which, was... which clearly they just were like, Alan, we're just gonna turn the camera on and you just like go fucking nuts. And he did it for however long, probably fifteen minutes, and they just did cut it, it for together. A long time. Yeah, like he probably just did that forever. Where? Whoa. Yeah, Shrek killed Shrek, Shrek Theory killed a lot of things, like Shrek movies. Killed my faith in humanity. Yeah, killed my yeah. marriage. <laughs> so many oh, things. Oh man, the uh, 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 the <laughs> twice, you know, to to bitch of ex wives. Whoa, <laughs> I'm 22, so oh, come on, blast these. <laughs> We, we can't. We, no, no, listen, no. This is the only way this is gonna get out. <laughs> um, uh, the one thing that I noticed in that film that was really interesting to me is that they handled magic in a way that wasn't like they weren't trying to make fun of it. And I thought yeah. from the get go this was gonna be let's make fun of magic, let's make right. fun of every aspect of magic, let's make fun of Siegfried and Roy and all this crap. Yeah. And, but they they, they they threw in a couple they, jabs, dude. They, they yeah, threw, but but they, in a way they, that's like very loving because even that guy who gets bitten by tigers, like you kind of like that guy. Yeah, like, and you and you understand like that's oh man, he's got a hard life. He's got to always be friends with those tigers. <laughs> What's brilliant is that they don't show a tiger. Oh, tiger. they don't show anything uh, like that. They're just it's um, just a story that happens to them. Uh, and one of the big yeah. things is that they treat it the same way that Ocean's Eleven treated con artists. I'm um, sorry, I just farted. Um, <laughs> in the, um, the podcast, they, Zach. The way that Ocean's Eleven treated con artists in the. Uh, uh, in Ocean's Eleven, where it's like it's kind of a passing mention. They mm-hmm. don't make a big; it's a big part of the story, but they're not like paying attention to it at every corner. Right. They're more like focused about what's going on within the characters in that moment. And I felt that that was what this was. It was more about two people behind a stage at that moment of, well, we're in a we're in sorts. We're we're battling out this stuff. We're, yeah. we're battling out our like our whatever feud we have going on right now. And I felt that they handled it very well to the point where they made magic more, it was more of a tribute to magic as opposed to let's make fun of magic. And I yeah. think that's what John Francis Daly and his writing partner did so well is that they, 
they made a film that actually made us care about a magician character in the same way yeah. that when I was a kid, a very little kid, and I saw Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and I was like, I want to be a pet detective. Because <laughs> I was just like, this is not really making fun of pets. This is honoring pets. This is more about this man who's very mentally unstable. <laughs> yeah, And they, they made the, the magic tricks like so outrageous, like like when the pigeon came out of the saw glass. Like, wow! Right. Well, and that, that one is so specifically important because the rest of them all feel like tricks. But then what? What? Uh, this one Rance, magical, yeah. Right. That what Rance's character is trying to prove to us, and the reason why that has to be CG is that he, you know he's got to do something there that amazes us, mm-hmm. like because it's the only magic trick in the movie that I can remember that is CG. And the puppy, um, I think. The puppy. And I think some of them, like like them puppy. doing the coins, mm-hmm. the coins are all CG and stuff like that. And you're right, yeah, the puppy I think is is is, but is it's a pop. Edited in, but, so cleanly, like it goes from. Yeah medium shot to a wide where like it, yeah. it cuts on the action of the thing and you're just you're just not distracted you're just like oh it's there yeah super organic magic and it like not fake yeah mm-hmm. um but but that 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 the salt thing is in there because that has to be that moment where we feel that way where we're like oh right magic because the rest of the magic in the movie is kind of corny and you you except never for, feel that except wonder for what's that guy gray um oh, oh steve but that's not magic like they he like he's face and there's there was yes. a part in there. Yes. That but that's, but that's it's... pointing out the idea of, like, this is a mockery of magic. Like, yeah. It's a mockery of what, you know, like, Houdini or something like that would have stood for. Like, and that a is, mockery of it. That's the only time he even approaches real magic. The rest and, of it is all and just, like... I like how he kept the scar in it, like, the yeah. entire time. It wasn't just, like, makeup or something. It's like, Very you cool really cut that out of your face? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that ending bit, by the way, went through your own. Big spoiler... His big trick in the movie is he drills in his head. He drills he drills through his skull to a certain point where it doesn't hit all the parts of the brain that affect your senses. Yeah. And his thing is is just the whole trick's been done, the whole big disappearing audience trick, and he's just like, Yeah, well they wait until they see what I've got ahead. I'm gonna drill a hole through my head right here and it just shows it as there's this big drill bit protruding out of his head yeah the best is that scene highlighted jim carrey's best aspect and that's the ability to like move his face into something and if he had one eye over and he's yeah he's like oh god i'm like 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 just like that little yeah. minute stuff that that guy thinks of when he's mm-hmm. breaking down a script and thinking of his character and just making that development it's like that's something that he brought to the no, table guaranteed jim carrey brought senses. that to the table yeah yeah, yeah. line about his senses i'll yeah, like uh, six still senses. one more than the rest of you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i won't be special I'm anymore uh, yeah i was just gonna oh. say like the one thing about the movie that didn't work for me was the tricks because like in the in their world it would be really impressive most of the tricks but as a like a filmmaker and film watcher it's just like well they could have just cut the frame right there and like switched them out that's why stuff. i thought it was so oh, yeah. cool though it could have been more about like it could have been oh i get what you're saying it could have been more about well it's them it's hard as, it's hard to... as people and less about their tricks per se no no I, I was saying like for me just like i'm less impressed by the tricks because i know like like in in the real world, if I was like watching on stage, like I would be wondering how they do that. But as an audience person, I'm like, well, that was probably CGI, or they probably oh right they yeah, right. switched yeah. frames. You know, they like just, totally it's hard to, to like be impressed by the tricks. You yeah. know, while while the the bird thing was impressive because I was like, what's this gonna build to? Um, but at the same time, I'm like, well, it's a CGI bird. You know, yeah. <laughs> but it also it also was a bit more meaningful because it had that sort of emotional weight to it, where mm-hmm. like you did it and you felt like, oh man, like he's he just hit something. Yeah. But stuff important. like The Hangman, like, it's one single shot for, you know, a good minute or two. Um, and, but at the end of the day, it's just like, oh, well, halfway through that, you know. There they, was a cut. There was yeah. a cut. 
and it switched the characters. So mm-hmm. that did not actually. If you read the credits, there was a whole credit for David Copperfield and the Hangman trick. Oh really? So yeah. So oh, man. it must be a real. It must be a so real. So David probably choreographed that one for yeah. it. Yeah. So maybe well, David Co- David Copperfield revealed his secrets and showed them no, how to do it. True TV's got. Have you guys ever seen Magicians? I'm a huge magic buff. I love magic. I've been doing magic ever since I was in high school. And there's a TV show out called uh, Magician Secret Revealed, and it's like this magician uh, revealed all the secret magic tricks, and he wore a mask for the first two seasons, and he didn't want to tell people who he was. Yeah, I think was it on Fox. I saw all the replays like on one like four day binge of like uh, the marathons of this, and I watched like everything. And this magician who has a mask reveals all his secrets and teaches you how he does every single ma- like the car getting crushed and like some really brilliant stuff. And they teach you the sleight of hand. That's like the sleight of eye of having a dummy roll in and like everything's trap doors of magic. And that scene where Burt Wonderstone was drunk kind of showed like how hokey impossible it is if you have the smoke and like it kind of exposed the the true of the sleight of hand and how easy mm-hmm. it is and they're trying to trick you with looking at stuff yeah but uh i, I wasn't distracted too much by the on-screen magic because the story was i was kind of like engaged in that which was cool but like still and and well i mean being a, a, a filmmaker like you know how all those tricks are done and that's why i thought it was cool like the hundred dollar bill in his mm-hmm. in his shirt there like oh oh mm-hmm. got it yeah you yeah, know what I'm saying like all those edits were, were funny to the yeah. magicianry. I think that some of the magic helped uh, push character development, especially like Steve Buscemi giving the guy mm-hmm. the bill. I felt like that was yeah. a, totally, totally. That was oh, a, that man. was a magic trick that was that was a save the orga- cat moment. Organic, yeah, save the cat moment. If you read the Blake Star and save the cat, like uh, it was something that made you really like that character, like made you draw to that character, and that was done through magic and a lot of the, especially with uh, uh, Alan Arkin's character, his save the cat moments of teaching him magic were organically made to make you like that character more. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for stopping by. <laughs> this has been a nebulous visions production of a real nerds podcast until next time when we see Olympus has fallen. Oh, is that next week? It is. Oh man. Best I heard movie of the year. Which one? Which movie? Olympus, Olympus has fallen. fallen. You can follow us on Twitter at real underscore nerds. Tweet us. Like I just said, send us an email, realnerds at gmail.com. Realnerdspodcast.com is our amazing new website. Yeah. Like us on Facebook. Call us. 720-6nerds5. Oh. Can I yep. just say one thing before we yes. leave? Is, um, I've listened to your guys' podcast all past two weeks since I knew we were going to be on and talking with Brad and whatnot. And, we were, uh, and I, I generally study prior. And your podcast is one of the best uh, – Thanks. What that's really gonna... nice of you to say. Oh that's man, that's good night, everybody. Oh, that was really nice. No, your your no. podcast is one of the is one of the best. Like like uh, one of the best. Like not even locally made. Just like one of the funniest like film nerd podcasts that I listen to because you guys are like people that I hang out with. Thank you. Like, oh, thanks. It's very nice to know that like I hang out with these like same kind of we're all nerds and we have this kind of like you know like this very skewed point of view of just like what if the dirtiest thing happened to these people <laughs> and so to hear it from real people like that like in the vein of brian johnson or walt flanagan something like that like that's what i feel you guys hit on so oh i just want to say you. thank, thank you, you for you. having us on oh no that's really the idea thanks for, oh, no, thanks for being on one more time was... hit up where we can find you guys at and what you're working on um you can find us on facebook.com slash twombly t-w-o-m-b-l-e-y 
um, or facebook.com slash the boy who stares. Um, Spencer Kane and I are also working on a web series called The Rise of Spencer Kane, and it's all about him becoming an actor <laughs> and nice. the many, many adventures he uh, in, endures along the way. Something important. I did not come up with this idea. <laughs> I want to point that out straight At away. At no point did I want to rise. Definitely. I, I wanted to stay in bed. With me. Ryan's idea. <laughs> yeah, like I play uh, Spencer Kane's uh, manager, like uh, agent, agent, <laughs> and uh, he shows up to my office, and then I pull up in a van. I'm like, oh, I got kicked out. Come in here, and I have a de- <laughs> I have a desk in nice. the back of my van, and I'm like, we got, where are my papers at? Like, we're all in, hanging out in the back of my like van. The, uh, it's kind of like, like a mob boss and brick. Exactly. Well, it's like Entourage. You know how Entourage is, how he's already on top, and everyone mm-hmm. knows him. It's going to be like yeah. way before Entourage. Like, <laughs> yeah. To the point where he's like yeah. chomping at the bit. Yeah. Very cool. Before, before he had somebody like Jeremy Piven. <laughs> you can see Spencer and I's work at uh, he's in everything I've made from I, uh, I work uh, real close with Matt and Zach so I don't really have any technology because I'm hard yeah I, I, I mean it's hard for me to deal with we're trying yeah. to slice the guy up a reel but you know you only do so much one time. Hey, Maddie, I will say one thing. My favorite thing about Synergy is when the drug cartel guy sticks his arms out and the eagle screeches. I thought it was badass. Dude, yeah. The eagle is my favorite sound effect. I, I, I've gotten, I, I tell you right now, I, I rarely get stoned in front of movies, but one of the biggest movies that I'll get stoned in front of is Synergy. Dude, Synergy got... That moment along with, this is some damn good popcorn chicken. Popcorn yeah. chicken are two of the funniest moments. Or bit, you know what? And I also love, too, because I love goofy things in movies where it said um, El Pollo Popcorn or what? Free Popcorn Chicken? Yeah, in Spanish. It was really I think fun. I actually ate some of that. Yep. That, uh, that movie's had two big weird things in the, the kind of weird offset counterculture uh it's banned from our nevada high school because some they got caught like the dvd case got caught with uh some kids with pop brownies and they were like hmm. gonna eat pop brownies at lunch and watch synergy mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is the first time that we've had something that got banned like that we're just like oh my god really and not even for content like so, it's for it's because somebody else used it poorly so messed it up yeah. and then uh it somehow got uh leaked online and uh I was. Uh, it got spread across CU's campus for a while last year, and we were at a party, and these girls were like, "Oh, you guys got this movie down here too?" And they picked up Synergy's case. And I was like, "Oh, that's my movie." And, like, <laughs> they took pictures of me and sent to their friends, and like the highlight of it all was I saw an Instagram of someone dressed up as me and Spencer's character for Halloween. No at, at like a boulder party like there was like a bunch of boulder people in the background I was like do with the mustache clearly and the guy with the fedora clearly like us like our two <laughs> characters like it had to be and i was like i like that's awesome it's, it's rj and, and uh tim sanchez to a fault it's incredible yeah and like i i tried i, I sent a picture on my phone so like i was like this is the coolest thing ever like that's like that's how it it all awesome. kind of culminates it's how we know we're doing what we're supposed right? to be doing right absolutely it's, yeah. a, it's a nice payoff for what you're doing you like you connected with somebody that's, and that's so the greatest cool. thing you can ever have absolutely. and dude what day. are the odds that we work at the same place I know seriously no that's weird this well and it's because uh, I don't know night. Nick uh, Nick the vendor who comes in in the morning all the time the, the yeah. cool guy yeah uh, like I was just telling him about the show one time, and he was like, "How did you talk to Spencer about his thing?" And I was like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." Uh, and so that's why, like, I came to you initially, and then two weeks later, a month later, or something, Brad all of a sudden was like, "Hey, these guys make good movies," and I was like, "Oh yeah, oh exactly. yeah, I know." I've se- I'd seen you before, and we saw Batman uh, on the scene night at the at the at the um, IMAX. Um, you were there, oh, but right. I didn't know you, so I didn't say hello. That's so right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we were all there. We were all there in shirts and and you know yeah. for the show. Nice. Um, if it were now, yeah. we'd be sitting with you, giving you high fives and sharing popcorn. Yeah. Ceased. 
cool. But you can find my stuff at the at Matt R O'Connor, and uh, our Vimeos can be found from there. And then funnier.com slash Matty O'Connor, and the you can see all our little shorts that we've made for that. And a, a quick note about why Burt Warnstone's so great is because I was taught magic, but I'm pretty sure by the mob, because my dad was a union leader, and they every year they'd send us two. Uh, Vegas for a union conference. Oh, all, wow. all the he was a train driver and he to, would, to teach you how to disappear a body. <laughs> well, they were talking about where they're going to put the bodies on the train carts too. Mm-hmm. Like my like my dad was a union boss for the uh, the railroad and it's like Grand Junction, the biggest place between Utah and Denver. And they would bring us to uh, Utah or to Las Vegas for conferences where they would talk to all the union bosses at once. And then they bought they like we would go to the magic places and I learned magic through. Thankfully, the mob putting that on so they can figure out where they can do all the stuff. Then, <laughs> I, uh, I would just get cut in the lunch line every day at school, and I was doing magic tricks all the time, like trying to learn how to VHS tape myself. That's why I was really drawn to this movie because I learned from a VHS tape of this magic guy. I forgot his name, but like I learned everything from VHS tape that I got from that uh, store in Las Vegas, and I was uh, doing tricks, and I would get cut every day in the lunch line by these same guys, probably definitely MS-13. Like They had straight like inner-city Grand Junction High School, and they noticed I was doing card tricks one day and they kept bringing me up and they're like, Hey, magic kid. And I do magic tricks for them. Like the same five, six, seven magic tricks every day for them <laughs> for like maybe a solid year. And they would bring me up to the front of the lunch line with them every day. Cause I used to get cut and I used to be in the, I would walk in late and they'd be like, Hey Maddie, Hey magic kid, come up. And like, they call me magic kid. And I go do magic tricks for like MS 13. Like I was, I didn't get beat up for 13 seconds. I just had to do the magic tricks for like a year. I never got, I used to get messed with so much in high school before what, that. But what do you say? MS 13? Dude, the, the, the Mexican gang. With the thirteen, the jerseys, like the the Mexican that spray paints it, the Sutra, like this, like I'm not sure if exactly that. I might be blowing smoke on my ass, but it was definitely a scary Mexican <laughs> Grand Junction gang. That is a Grand Junction gang. Like, t- like they wore the gloves. <laughs> they had like the, whatever gang has the three little dots on their hands right here, and they would wear gloves to cover it up. Like Grand Junction was like a hub of like some scary shit. And I was going to Grand Junction High School, and they the the same terrifying gang of like same Hispanic gang would just. Hey, magic kid. And I do the same tricks, just terrified, like all the way up there and just cutting the lunch line with them. And like, before long, I was like, never messed with after you li- that. Yeah, you never lived, messed you with lived this movie. knew that they liked me. And like, I used to get my shirts ripped. I would throw in a trash can. After that, never, never again. Wow. Thanks magic, to magic. magic saved your life. Got me laid a couple I'm times. Glad, I'm I love magic. Know, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't know what MS-13 was, though, because I was just trying to play it cool. Like, like you yeah. did before. Like, yeah. I was just here like, no, I'm not going to ask that question. You've not seen <laughs> I know. I know all oh, about man. MS-13. That's my favorite movie. You've seen Sinombre? <laughs> Sinombre, it's on, a, it's on Netflix. It's like a crazy yeah. MS-13 gang movie. You know the guys with tattoos on their face that say MS-13? Mm-hmm. Huh. Sinombre, that's that gang. It's originated Weird. from down there, and like it's do, everywhere. Do they, but do they wear like jerseys, like sports jerseys with the number 13? Sometimes they wear nothing. With just giant wears, like, back tattoos. Sometimes they just <laughs> wear guns, man. Just yeah. guns all over their suits no, made out of guns. You can tell because they're pointing it at your middle. face. Yeah. And they're so well, like, buff is from picking all the fruit down there. That's right. Oh. I, I picked I think, peaches for a PSP back in high school I, I for, think like, just months. General general racism might be a good place to end. Yeah. Uh, I, my I, stepfather's I wanna, Mexican, so I can say that I want to point oh, okay. out that they get their shirts from the big and tall store because they're always way too big for them. <laughs> we'll end on that racist one. Well, that was <laughs> the one. peak. Yeah. Oh. Oh, about ready to take it home, Ace. I just want to let everybody know we might have participated in one of the longest episodes of Real Nerds. Podcast. Oh, straight up. Oh, straight up. Special number ninety-two. We got Maybe it. A cliffhanger yeah. we have up in here. This is a giant issue. This is like when X-Men was reintroduced and they introduced giant, Wolverine. Giant-sized Real Nerds podcast. <laughs> yeah. We sure. also apologize. I'm gonna let all the, the listeners know that. 
we showed up with a bunch of beer. They didn't drink any of it, and <laughs> us three drank like three six packs. <laughs> no, I had I had a beer. You had one. We were just like we don't know how to talk to these guys. We're really like we're just extremely nervous. It's you like, figured it out. I had to pee before the movie. <laughs> I drank a bunch, but you didn't see it because I performed magic. Oh my and god! <laughs> make oh, this beer legit. disappear, dude. Bert Rundestone, he could have date raped that whole audience. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, you know what? If he didn't learn his lesson from earlier, he might have. He could have. Uh, that could have been a weird character arc. If it, was, <laughs> if it was Travis Bickle, the magician, I would yeah. have been like, "What's happening?" See, see, there you go. In a in a raunchier modern comedy, we would have seen the scene where he uh, decided to go ahead and pick one of those nasty old ladies from the audience and have sex with them. Yeah. Like that would have been one of those jokes that they would yeah, have that they would have thrown in. Yeah. Luckily, they stopped giving the American Pie director money. <laughs> oh man! All right. Bye. Bye. I love you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening, guys. And this has been a Nebulous Visions production. He already said that. Of a real nerd's podcast. It has. Bye. 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 Batman. We're gonna come back in a week and make it real longer. <laughs> <laughs> for real this time. Yep. Even better.